from the heart of the nautical mile. You're listening to the station that serves your community. AM 1240 WGBB.com and 1240 WGBB Freeport. We're about to begin a very exciting program on WGBB AM 1240 in Freeport, New York and on the web at am1240wgbb.com because normally at this time, at 7 p.m. on Thursday nights, you would hear a show called Dave's Gone By, which was, which is a mix of comedy and music and talk radio and sketches and nonsense and some sense. And you'll hear a little vein of that tonight because I'm Dave and I normally host that show. But no. No, tonight we have something very special for you. Three solid hours of me. So it may be the last day in the history of this radio station, but I think not. It's going to be great fun because I don't have a drum here, but if, if we can get maybe a drum roll. Let's see if the guys in the studio can get a drum roll here. Okay, now with a drum roll and a microphone falling, which is pretty far from the course at WGBB. Yes, we have special guests and we have special stuff to do because it's the first ever possibly annual, <laughs> I doubt once they hear this, they'll ever have it again. But thanks so much for listening to the very first annual Tony Show. Let's get on the really cool, special music, shall we? Yeah, let's. That's not it. <laughs> um, you know what, let me introduce my special guests um, while I find the very special music. I have two, and don't run away from the radio dial, because they're critics. Yes, I said it. You know, when people do theater programs, uh, you know, on commercial television or commercial radio, they, they normally interview Tony-nominated actors or, or directors or the writers, and that's totally cool, and I do that on my show, and I, I've done that for years. But what's going to be interesting about this particular show is that most of the people I'm going to be talking to are actual critics. They're people who really see all the shows who think about them in a serious way, but also as a fan, because theater critics are also fans, and they, they enjoy going to the theater, because they have to do it one or two hundred times a year. So let me introduce my co-hosts and guests, who have been both on my regular show, Dave's Gone By. Um, you can't really see them, but to my left, looking out the studio window, is... Jeff Goodman, who's been a guest a few times on Dave's Gone By, discussing theater and all sorts of stuff. He's a really cool guy. He writes for a magazine that I can't mention because he's under a pseudonym there, but he is also the co-host of a program that was basically developed by our second guest, Charlie Gross, or Charles Gross, forgive me if, if that's not formal enough. Um, wait, I, haven't, I don't have you on mic yet. Um, I bet he does. <laughs> <laughs> but Charlie and Jeff both co-host their own show on Manhattan Cable Television. It's called Two on the Isle. It's been on the air for nearly a decade, and what they do is a Siskel Ebert kind of a thing where they talk about theater that way. They review Broadway and off-Broadway shows, argue about them, give their, instead of thumbs up, they give playbills, one to four or five playbills per show on what they felt. So first of all, welcome, welcome, Charlie and Jeff, to the WGBB Tony Award Special. Hey, guys. Ooh. Good to be here. Just so that you know, Dave, Two on the Isle actually has been on the air for over a decade. Mit Mazel, Mit Mazel. Yes, yes. And, you know, one thing that your audience would not know is that every year we do a Tony Award show. And it's going to be, this year, it's going to be broadcast this Friday night. If you happen to live in Manhattan, it will be on uh, Cable Channel 57 at 8 o'clock. If you don't live in Manhattan, as I think most of your audience doesn't, you can still see the show on our website, 
www.mnn, that's Mary Nancy Nancy, dot org, O-R-G, and you click it on at 8 o'clock, click on Channel 57, and you can see it. And this is a very different Tony show, because it's, we, of all the Tony shows we've done, you have been on all except for this one and one other. I w- I'm sorry, this time I was out of town. I was at a, a theater critics convention. <laughs> if that doesn't sound scary enough. But thank you. Always invite me, and I always have a great time on your show, be it the Tony show or, or your regular weekly or biweekly show. Well, we're certainly happy uh, to return the favor tonight. And Jeff, how are you doing? It's always lovely to be in Babylon. <laughs> Yeah, well, for, speaking of Nancy Nancy, no, I don't know what that means. Hey, let's let's get our really cool, happy theme. I didn't get to do that before, so let's hear the great theme music. See if you can guess Ooh. what this music is from. Do we win a prize? No. Okay, we've had a guest so far that it's Sweet Charity from Jeff, but it's not Sweet Charity. Any guesses, Charlie? Yeah. Charlie's dumbstruck. It's <laughs> familiar, but... Just make a mystery. It is from this season. What'd you say, Jeff? It's not the spam a lot over to No. Dirty Rotten Scandals? Ah, and we have a winner! I knew well it. done, Charlie. Charlie Gross guessed it. That was the theme from Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, one of uh, the Tony Award, uh, Tony nominated, excuse me, musicals for 2005. The other three, yeah, yeah Jeff. Tony nominated score. Uh, Tony nominated. Will he get it though? That, that's mainly the questions we're going to be asking. Do you guys have the listings of the Tony? I see them before you. Mm-hmm. So uh, we want to get to do a little bit of that. Um, oh no, no, wait, wait. I want to play one more thing because um, you know. Like every show, every show you see now, on and even off-Broadway, makes kind of this pre-show announcement mm-hmm. about things. Sometimes they weave it into the show now. They're even doing that to make it cute, because people are already expecting it, you know, with the gum wrappers and stuff. But uh, here's a song from, from a show that I saw off-Broadway, actually this cabaret show, with a guest on my program named Dottie Berman, and I think it kind of sets the mood also for beginning a program like this. Before the show begins, may I suggest you listen very carefully to this request. Please turn off your cell phone. I know it is a swell phone, but it's the phone from hell phone when it rings throughout the show. Please turn off your beeper and your pager 
and your palm, and then turn off the buzzer on your handy wrist alarm. And if you need a candy or a cough drop desperately, please unwrap it now and give at least one piece to me. And remember, there's no smoking. I'm allergic. I'm not joking. You wouldn't want me choking. Anyway, that is the law. I'm sure you've heard these rules before. You're such a savvy crowd. Remember, taking photographs is strictly not allowed. And all recording of this show is out of line. But if you do these things, please note the copyright is mine. I'd like your attention, 'cause I forgot to mention I favor noise prevention, but some noise is really fine. Don't turn off your laughter or applause; I'd be dismayed. And please be sure you don't turn off your trusty hearing aid. And now I finish my announcement, so I'll go. Thank you all for listening, and please enjoy the show. Dottie Berman there. On the WGBB Tony Award special, so please, actually, you can keep your your phones on since we're home, but it is one of the pet peeves of going to the theater. But I have two of my pets, not my peeves, in the studio. I'm Dave Lefkowitz, by the way, hosting this three-hour special devoted to the Tonys. I've got with me co-hosts Jeff Goodman, Charlie Gross, Charlie Gross, Jeff Goodman. I'll, I'll keep rearranging your names so that you both get equal uh, equal parity. Uh, that's uh, that's um, what do you call? Now that's redundant, isn't it? It would be equal parody. Well put. <laughs> so shall we start with the categories? Let's run through them. We'll give our thoughts on on the different categories of the Tonys. We'll do a few at a time, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Let's start all the way at the bottom for the little stuff that nobody. <laughs> no, that's not fair. But but the listening audience may the not. Nominees would be caring. About I know. Them. I know. Well, yeah, that's why they used to put them on in, in the kind of PBS true, hour. How but, Lyndon uh, would give them awards. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, or um. Gosh, I'm so brain fried. I don't even have a, a comeback joke for that. Liliana Montevecchi. Is she still with us? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so far as she's so cute. <laughs> she still thinks she's good. <laughs> no, she, she was an actress in Nine, just in case. Uh, and Grand Hotel. Don't forget Grand Hotel. I love Grand Hotel. Um, she also did a show at Radio City Music Hall, I think. Once who really cares, Charlie? We don't <laughs> like Liliana Montevecchi. She's, I think, our biggest fan. <laughs> oh, that's but not But the nice. interesting thing is she won the Tony Award for Nine. Over t- Anita over Morris and Karen Akers and well, Karen Akers, Laurie yeah, Beachman yeah. in Joseph. Well, there weren't going to vote for Joseph for anything. I mean, it's more than an yeah. ensemble kind of a piece anyway. Well, I, I thought that Karen Akers was incredible. Okay. I, didn't, I mean, I didn't see the original Joseph, so I didn't see her until well, she was long dead. Well, that, that was not the original Joseph. It was that, but although it was the first Broadway production. And who knew that that Lillian Montevecchi would want to be a, yeah. one of the two surviving women in that category? Mm. Isn't that horrible? <laughs> well. Well, I wouldn't use the word horrible, but it's, you know, it's sad that we've lost... Uh, okay, let's get to it. Please, please. Okay. We're going to talk about orchestrations, my favorite category. We are going to start with orchestrations. and let's. Why don't you read them, since it's your favorite category? Well, my favorite... Well, Larry Hockman did a lovely job on Monty Python's Spamalot. 
Then it took Ted Sperling, Adam Geitel, Gettle. and what? Gettle. Gettle. You know, they should, can't they spell the names the way they pronounce them? <laughs> and Bruce Coughlin? Co- I think it's Coughlin. C-O-U-G-H. Why don't I read them? No, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> I don't know their names. <laughs> well, I get them well, I hope they don't win now because I can't pronounce their names. You have to understand, guys, when I'm on the air, I'm a tyrant. I'm like Howard, I'm a nice guy in real life, except I'm not really. But then on the air, I'm, I'm Howard Stern times 12. No, I'm not. Go ahead. Read the names. <laughs> so we're going to have Broadway actresses in here, and you're going to try and get them to take their clothes off? And by the way, this Good is... Good idea. Ones. Why didn't I... Next year. Oh, there's another one of these. Stop it. <laughs> Ooh. bum Okay, read the names. Come on. we got to get did. Well, those three people did Light in the Piazza. Yeah. Then you have Jonathan Tunick, who did Pacific Overtures. Pacific Overtures, my favorite. <laughs> but that was my personal favorite. Why? I thought it was... I just... I love the... I love Pacific Overtures. I thought it was... Brilliantly orchestrated. It really was. When the orchestration was different, I'm sure you've heard the CD a dozen a little times bit, from A little that. bit okay. different. Not much. But like Please Hello was a little different in mm-hmm. this version. Mm-hmm. And that was the biggest one that was different. And um, But the last one is Harold Wheeler for Dirty Rotten Sco- scam- Scoundrels, which I always tell Charlie, <laughs> not Scandals, but I always said Dirty Rotten Scandals. Actually, that would have been an okay title, too. But yeah. So you, you're going with... Dirty Rotten. I like... I, I, Jonathan Tunick. He'll who, never win it, but I hope he wins it. So who because wins? also because of his body of work working with Don. Well, Hill. yeah. And every time his name comes up, oh, it's Jonathan. But who will win? Um, Boy, that... You know, maybe the Light the Piazza people. I think I, so. I think that was really well orchestrated. The melodies are so beautiful and so lush. I don't know if it will win Best Score because I couldn't hear half the words. That was very frustrating. But I could hear the music, and it's, it's beautifully lush music, and it just complements this production uh, so, so nicely. I mean, Piazza opens, and it looks like uh, it's come right out of an MGM uh, musical in the 50s. Fair but, but also, remember, this is an award that's usually it's a recent award. And so they're giving it for compilations of work. So Harold Wheeler, I don't remember if he, he's won anything, but he could, if he hasn't won one recently, you know, because this, right. this award's only been around five years or so. If he hasn't won one, they'd yeah. give it to him because he has a, a large base of work. And the three people from Light in the Piazza is the first. The first yeah, I have a feeling that, you know, there's this groundswell now for Light in the Piazza. And it's, it's like, even though I didn't like the music very much, it has this, this beautiful feel to it that people will, well, it's a snob kind of feel. And they'll go for the orchestrations, I think, on that. I Let's move to another okay, category so. real uh, quick. We'll do one more category, and then we have something special. We have an interview. Uh, with another critic, see, it's, it's, a, it's a critic and, and journalist who's been writing about the theater a, probably almost as long as you guys combined. He's written for Backstage. He was a longtime critic for The Village Voice. Uh, Julius Novick, a very known respect. <laughs> so we're going to talk with him not only about his career, but also ask him about a few of his picks for uh, this year's Tony's. But before that, let's do um, choreography. Terrific. Charlie, want to read the choreograph? Charlie, why don't you mispronounce a couple names? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dave will correct you. Uh, of course, yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Wayne uh, Calento. Calento! Oh, oh, I knew yeah. that one. Yeah. Come on! But you didn't know Scoundrels instead of Scandals. That's okay. true. Jerry, uh. Jerry Mitchell, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Yay! <laughs> Jerry Mitchell, Lacage. Mm. Casey, uh, let's see, Nicolaw. Well done. Spamalot. <laughs> so... Charlie, let me have your, your, your thoughts on who you think will win and who should, well, who do you want to win? Okay. I would have to, you know, first of all, is there actually any dancing in either uh, Scoundrels or Spamalot? Not a heck of a lot. Hmm. 
It's a little Pokemon yeah. number in the Sweet beginning. Charity of the might have had a yeah. stronger chance if the leading its leading actress, who I enjoyed in the role, didn't break her foot, hadn't yeah. broken her foot, and also he, basically you're going up against <laughs> Debbie Allen. And the memory of Gwen Verdon, right. the movie with Shirley MacLaine, right. and all the work that Bob Fosse did on this musical. Exactly, yeah. And so, so, if you compare this production to those previous productions, and people will, even if they haven't seen them. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't see Gwen Verdon. They're, they're yeah, going right. they're, they're to hold that. Well, even if you saw Debbie Allen. I didn't see Debbie Allen. Right. But even so, I mean, mm-hmm. I was looking at, I mean, I thought she did a, a fine job, but... She, she did a nice job... The dance is very Fosse-like, but it's not Fosse. It's like Chicago. Chicago yeah. has some nice dancing, but and they had to take out a lot I, of steps think, for her when she got hurt. hurt. Yeah, and this was an this she was more of an acting charity than a dance, which is yeah. fine by me. No, which was but great. This is a choreography category. I, really, yeah. I saw the Debbie Allen version and other people, and the dancers are usually pretty hard as charity. They're not sweet, mm. and and she really was sweet. She was yeah, wonderful she, as it. She, she, but right. but. You know, things like when she's in Vittorio Vidal's apartment. We're talking about Christina Applegate, by the way? Yes. yes. Okay. When Thanks she's in so. Vittorio Vidal's apartment. Mm-hmm. It, I'm watching it. All she's doing is walking in a circle constantly. <laughs> you know? If my friends could see me now, they'd be dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, so, Charlie, what would you... I, I would have to give it to Lacage, because I think the dancing in this production was beefed up. Again, it's been a long time since the original right. Lacage. But if memory serves, there is a lot more dancing. And I mean, what can you say? You have to. What can you say when you have a whole chorus line of men doing splits? I mean, that's. You have to say, ouch. Depending on how hard they are. But they don't. Now, and Jeff, quick, what are your thoughts on the choreography category? My thoughts are, I, I'd like to see. Uh, he, I'd like to see Jerry Mitchell forget get it for Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Because I do think that show flowed really well. Yeah. And I think it was more than just direction. Because as the turntable was moving, things were always going on, which I really liked. Yeah. It was visually a wonderful, wonderful transition show. I think that was more choreography than direction on that. I think mm. he should win that f- for stuff like that. Do you think he should win for a dancing turntable? No, for dancing on the turntable. The people though. who designed Les Mis should have won for that one a long time ago. <laughs> you know. So, all right, guys. But, but uh, I yeah. think I think that people will vote for Lacage because it's the only one with like absolute dancing in it that looks like people are dancing. Sounds good, folks. You are listening to the WGBB Tony Award Special on AM twelve forty WGBB. We are here until ten o'clock. Yes, three full hours of this <laughs> plus more special guests. Going to have a quiz. Got a ticket giveaway for you. It's going to be totally fun. We also have a special guest on the phone. As I said, it's another critic. It's Jay Novick. And uh, let's hear all about him right now. I'm very pleased that my guest is Mr. Julius Novick, or, uh, well, I guess his friends call him Jay, and I hope I I count myself among them. Jay's been uh, a theater critic for quite a few years at this point, and a very learned and very good teaching kind of theater person, and I'm, I'm sure he'll tell us about that, too. So, without further ado, let's get right into it. Jay, how you doing? Good, Dave. How are you? Good, good. Now, do you prefer Jay or Julius or... Um, uh, Jay in spoken language, Julius in written language, and we're talking. Okay, so, hello, Jay. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Dave. And how many years has it been since you really started writing seriously about theater? Um, something like 45. Oh, my... How old are you? No offense, but how old are you? Um, 66. You know, if I if you saw this man on the street, you'd think he was early 50s. 
That's a, that, that's for sure. Um, well, Mazel Tov. Mike, where was your first outlet for your reviews? Well, I started with the college paper, and um, one summer I um, walked into the Village Voice offices, um, which were then on a little loft on Greenwich Avenue, and asked them for a job, and they said, we have no job because we have no money, but if you want to write for free, uh, let's see some of your clips. So I gave them some of my clips from uh, the college paper, and uh, I that was about oh, 58, 59. I've been writing theater criticism in various places ever since. Were you involved in the development of the uh, the Obie Awards, the Village Voice Awards? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was a, an Obie judge for about 15 years. Gosh. And I assume since you started in that late 50s era, the big thing for you would have been discovering off-Broadway, or, or even off-off at that point, or was that not a glimmer yet? Off-Broadway, certainly. Um, off-off, just beginning, but... Um, Hitting with full force in the uh, in the 60s, but uh, at that time I was um, particularly interested in uh, resident theater and theater outside New York, um, about which I uh, went so far as to write a book called Beyond Broadway. Uh-huh. And so you covered the the nascent regional theater movement. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what back then were the up and coming regional theaters? Um, well, mostly the ones bankrolled by the Ford Foundation, uh, the uh, Arena Stage in Washington, mm. uh, the uh, Actors Workshop in San Francisco, which didn't survive, the Guthrie in Minneapolis, which I don't think was a Ford Foundation uh, grantee, in after, I think, 64, um, the Alley Theater in, in Houston, um, Which was your favorite? Did you have a, like a pet theater that you kind of was like, oh my God, this is as good as what's going on in New York? Um, well, things that were as good as what's going on in New York um, popped up unpredictably all over the place, really. I hmm. I wouldn't want to have um, picked a favorite, I suppose. Well, I guess the, the most significant at that time was uh, Arena Stage in Washington, which sent its production just around the end of the 60s, sent its production of uh, The Great White Hope to New York, where it was a huge hit on Broadway, because, uh, I think largely because... Um, James Earl Jones? Yeah, or? well, people were willing to um, to pay money to see a uh, black man kiss a white woman on stage. I think that's why it ran two years, mm. although uh, I think I took it very... You can still take it very seriously as, a, uh, as uh, one of the few... American tragedies, but it was important in the, the history of the American theater because it was the, the first time that a, a new play went from regional theater to real success in New York. Uh, the, until then, a regional theater um, premiere mm-hmm. tended to indicate a play that couldn't get to New York, but um, The Great White Hope reversed that, and now subsidized theater, both in New York and uh, out around the country, sustains oh, yeah. serious theater in Broadway. Almost so nothing opens does. cold on Broadway anymore. Mm-hmm. Certainly not a play. I mean, you know, and if it has, it's usually been a disaster because it hasn't been developed mm-hmm. enough. Precisely. Um, so, so what happened? You were only with The Voice for about 15 years, or and, and where did you go after that? Um, I wrote The Voice... 
for The Voice until sometime around 1990, and then I was the first theater critic at the New York Observer. After that, I wrote um, for Newsday uh, for a little while, and uh, when they were starting a New York paper, and um, then they fired me, and shortly after, New York Newsday closed down. Right. Um, well, now Newsday, you're getting your revenge because Newsday is firing people left and right now. They're they're just in terrible difficulty. Yeah. Uh, Currently, right for backstage, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let me pull this away for a minute to um, a lecture, not, not a lecture actually, but a speech that you gave for the American Theater Critics Association, mm-hmm. of which I'm a member, a proud member, and um, that's basically a concatenation of theater critics from around the country who get together twice a year to talk about the theater in their towns and share experiences and problems of, of being journalists and what it means to be a critic. And if I may, I want to read uh, just a paragraph from the speech that you gave there, and, and maybe we can go from there if you don't mind. Uh, you said that critics, the best critics anyway, are above all writers, by which I mean not that they were indifferent to their possibilities as theatrical citizens and the responsibilities to their communities, but that they invested themselves deeply in the specific words they wrote. Ideally, our primary obligation is to our ideal reader, to our best selves, to write reviews that we would admire and envy if somebody else wrote them. In the real world, of course, this has to be tempered with consideration of our actual readers. The nearer our actual readers are to being this ideal reader, the more fulfilling our jobs will be and probably the less will be paid. But our obligation and our joy as writers is to convey what we have seen and heard and thought and felt at the theater as truthfully and vividly, as gracefully and clearly, and with as deep an understanding as we can and possible to refract the truth about the show we've just seen through our individual selves to a larger truth about the theater and a still larger truth about the world, unquote. Any comment on that? <laughs> well, but, but here, Quite a mouthful, huh? Yes, but it is really well written. But here you are. Now, I have written for Backstage in the past. And, uh, I mean, I know the editor. She's a, a wonderful person. And I know the limitations there. Um, you know, I think, what, is it, what do you get, like three or four hundred words? Um, three, about three hundred. Three hundred words. And it's very name-oriented because of the kind of paper that it is. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to mention as many actors as you can and, and how they did. You've got to do, like, you have to do, I think, the designer paragraph, mm-hmm. which which we all dread. It's like, well, the set was this and the lighting was this and the costumes was that. Boom. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're, how do you reconcile the kind of things that you, you idealize in your speech and having to write 300 words and twist it into this mold? That, that broke me. I, I couldn't write for backstage more than, like, you know, a few months. Well, um, uh, you're onto something, aren't you? Um, oh dear. <laughs> uh, to pick up an old analogy, um, in this case, at the moment, I am like the signpost by the side of the road, but uh, that points the way, but does not necessarily go thither itself. The kind of writing that I do for backstage provides a context in which it's very difficult to practice the the kind of criticism that I deeply believe in. Were you ever able to? I mean, let's not let's not demonize backstage. I mean, they have a certain audience and a certain amount of space, but were you even able to... I guess you were at The Voice, but even Newsday... Oh, oh the, the Voice, uh, in retrospect, uh, uh, at 
that time was paradise in terms of space. Right. I, w- I once wrote a review where I didn't mention the play until the eighth paragraph. <laughs> okay. Returning, returning to backstage, I tried to, what shall we say, sneak in as much real criticism as possible while still fulfilling my responsibilities to backstage, mm-hmm. which is a challenge. It's an interesting technical feat, kind of puzzle, to see how much you can get into 300 words, but I have to confess it's not the kind of criticism that I believe in most deeply, Uh, but um, there's no law against writing that in other contexts. I'm I'm working on a book Uh, that I hope will... uh, will be the kind of criticism I'm talking about. And can you talk a little bit about what your book is about? Or, or I'm so glad you asked. Oh, good, okay. Um, I mean, you never ask a playwright because they won't say, mm. you know, until it's done. But a, a, a book writer is like, oh, yeah, tell, I'll tell you everything. Oh, you bet, you bet. Well, uh, don't hold your breath for it because the uh, the manuscript isn't even due in, at the publishers until August of 2006. Mm. But it's a book about how the experience of being Jewish in America has been dramatized by Jewish-American playwrights. Nice. There is quite a literature of evocations of Jewish life dating back almost to the beginning of the 20th century. A lot has been written about Jewish playwrights. Yeah. Neil Simon, uh, the, the late Arthur Miller, above all. But well, Neil Simon was more overtly Jewish in most of his writing, or you've got Wendy Wasserstein now. And, um, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. You learn something about Miller by thinking about him as a Jewish playwright. Hmm. And similarly among the other names that we've just mentioned, and put together they provide a, a kind of mirror of Jewish life as it evolves through the century. I think that's borne out by almost every show on Broadway right now either alludes to in some way or is specifically Jewish. Everything from, from obviously Revival of Fiddler on the Roof to uh, Brooklyn Boy, which opened earlier this season, to you know, an entire production number in Monty Python's Spamalot, mm-hmm. given to the fact that you can't really have a Broadway show if you haven't any Jews. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so there's, there's a certain cultural acknowledgement of, of our contribution. Broadway is a very special place, filled with very special people, people who can sing and dance, often at the same time. They are a different people, a multi-talented people, a people who need people, and who are, in many ways, the luckiest people in the world. I'm sorry, sire, we don't have a chance. But why? Well, let me put it like this. In any great adventure, if you don't want to lose, victory depends upon the people that you choose. So listen, Arthur, darling, closely to this news. We won't succeed on Broadway if we don't have any Jews. You may have the finest sets, fill the stage with penthouse pets. You may have the loveliest costumes and best shoes. You may dance and you may sing, but I'm sorry, Arthur King, you'll hear no cheers, but lots and lots of boos. You may have butchmen by the score, whom the audience adore. You may even have some animals from zoos. Though you pose and crouch instead, you may have unleavened bread, but I tell you, you are dead if you don't have any Jews. 
Now, if it's witty or everything looks pretty, they'll simply say itchy and refuse. Nobody will go, sir. If it's not kosher, then no show, sir. Even Goyim won't be dim enough to choose. Put on shows and make them stare with lots of girls in underwear. You may even have the finest of reviews. You're doing great! But the audiences won't care, sir, as long as you don't dare, sir, to open up on Broadway if we don't have any Jews. Dramatic lighting, or lots of horrid fighting. You may even have some white men sing the blues. Your nights may be nice, boys, but sadly we're all goys, and that noise that you call singing you must lose. So, despite your pretty lights and naughty girls in nasty tights, and the most impressive scenery you use, you may have dancing mano mano, you may bring on a piano, but they will not give a damn if you don't have any juice. Theater critics and Jews. I, I might as well slip this in there as well. Uh, this week you probably have heard about what happened at New York Magazine, I assume. Uh, no, haven't news to me. Tell me about it. Oh, Tell uh, your listeners about it. It's pretty well no, I, or I thought it was that. Um, well, I live in a tree. What can I tell you? <laughs> they got a new theater critic, a new chief theater critic at New York Magazine. They got the guy from the New York Sun. Uh, McCracken, I think his mm-hmm. name is, uh, taking the place of 
John Simon. What happened to John Simon? He was fired. Really? For, not for any particular... After all that time. After 40-odd years. He's 79 years old. Mm-hmm. He thought it was... Um, he thought they were calling him in because his birthday was in a few days, and they gave him, like, a, a cupcake with candles on it or something. Mm-hmm. And instead it was like, well, no, it's, you know, time for you to go. Mm-hmm. What, well, your thoughts on... Well, they've, they've had changes at the top at uh, New York Magazine, yes. and it's a, it's a well-known fact of uh, journalistic life, and not only journalistic life, that um, when there's a new boss, he likes, or she, likes to bring in... His or her own people. Well, do you have um, any particular thoughts, positive or negative, about the legacy of uh, John Simon? You didn't seem terribly keen on him uh, when that was brought up at the theater critics' convention that I mentioned. In view of the context that you just informed me about, mm. I don't want to say very much about John Simon. It can be positive. Point. He's been. Uh, he's a man of great great learning and intelligence, and he has been uh, friendly and pleasant to me. And that, that's, um, well, I mean, that's where I'll leave that one. What, why censor? I mean, uh, you've said lovely things about him. What about his writing, which is certainly not something you need to censor yourself about, would you have had trouble with? Um, this week, I'll censor myself. Any other week, uh, I would have things to say, but... Uh, Okay, and you, you in, in feel view like of what you've told me about yeah, what's okay. happened to him, I don't think it's, I don't think it's the time for um, hmm. to say some things that I might otherwise been been very happy to say. Okay, fair enough. Well, since we're we're talking about timing, let's talk Tonys because this is Tony time. Okay, yeah. and uh, the awards are happening on Sunday, June fifth, broadcast on uh, CBS TV from eight to eleven live. And uh, I think I'll be watching. I usually am. I, last year, in fact, there was a Tony party with, with a whole bunch of theater critics. And that, that really is the way to watch the Tonys with a bunch of other critics who are just sitting there either screaming or just with their heads in their hands or jumping up and down, yelling, just like any real theater fan. Mm-hmm. Which, which actually I would love if you made that clear, because I, I like to every now and again, that theater critics are fans. We, even someone like a John Simon, even someone like a Michael Regal, who's, well, not a critic, but we... We don't hate the theater. We wouldn't be doing this if we hated it. Can you give a little, like, a pep talkish thing? Um, yeah, I think I think that's true. Even the the um, the most severe and um, angry and negative critics, maybe maybe they love it the most who love it most critically. One way of expressing love for a certain temperament is to make high demands and insist that the loved object live up to them. Analogously, the people who oppose American foreign policy are not necessarily the people who hate America. Uh, It's because they love it that they are so agonized and angry when it's unworthy of itself. But what do you say to people who say that if you raise a child just with ridiculously or or loftily high expectations and then swat the child down every time they don't come up to that level, you're actually squelching the child and you're going to make a very middle-of-the-road kind of scared child. Well, the answer to that is that neither the theater nor the United States is a child. Well, on, on the world uh, stage, actually, the United States probably is a child. 
you know, with with the new Russian Republic's embryo or, or something like that. You you could laugh at my jokes once. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'll take it under advisement. Thank you, thank you. All right, let's get to. Um, do you have the list of the Tony nominees? In I've front? got it. I've got it in front of me. Okay. Um, then let's run it down from from the top. Well, before we yeah, do no, that, sure. um, I I have, as you know, mixed feelings about the Tonys about awards in general. They're, oh, please, yeah. They're not criticism. They're hype. How do you decide? that Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross is a better revival than Twelve Angry Men, or vice versa. Uh, well, as someone in Shakespeare says, comparisons are odorous. <laughs> they, are, they are sometimes. There's no reliable playometer by <laughs> which one show gets a higher score of merit than another. Granted that, the temptation to play the Tony game is irresistible. True. And as you were saying before, critics are no more resistant to it than any... Theater fans or the producers or the managers, and, and also yeah. even as writers, you can't necessarily get away from, let's say, in this particular season, saying, "Okay, we've had play revivals of Night Mother, Steel Magnolias, Glen Gary, Glen Ross, and On Golden Pond, all kind of almost from the same era and of the same cloth in a way, for the most part, of playwriting." Mm-hmm. So there is going to be, in some level, even in the discussion of it or the writing of it, saying. Well, this you know, this is the one that clicked, and Night Mother just kind of did not. And there, there are comparisons. You can't not when you. Yeah. When well, you see some some things, some things are clearly uh, better than other things, or at least uh, seem so very clearly to the observer. But how do you distinguish between the best and the next best? Uh, I think in most cases that's a very artificial distinction, mm. which doesn't necessarily stop me from making it. Do you vote? Uh, I vote uh, for the Drama Desk Awards. Cool, okay. Like most people, I like to spread my opinion around and um, see my favorites triumph. But um, And in fact, even as uh, we were talking before about the Obies, which you were there in yeah. the early process mm-hmm. of, so that still... Yeah, well, the Obies were, were, and I believe are, run on a different basis. There's not a question of of competition and of picking the best but rather to give awards wherever awards are deserved. But at the same time, as a game, uh, it's, uh, it's hard to resist playing it. And you want to, to do whatever you can to give honor and delight and a career boost to people who have given you joy and delight. I think it's uh, ultimately positive because the theater needs all the attention, all the publicity it can get. And this is a, um, a valuable chance to remind America, which on the whole isn't much interested, hmm. that theater does exist and might offer something of value. And we hope that we are offering something of value on WGBB tonight for this special first ever, possibly first annual, Tony Awards special. The Tonys are happening this Sunday at Radio City Music Hall from 8 until 10 p.m. Eastern Time. They're going to be broadcast on CBS all three hours, not divided like it used to be on uh, PBS and then CBS. And... um I hope you'll be watching, and I'm rooting along with us, and by us, I mean the folks with me in the studio, Jeff Goodman and Charlie Gross, my co-hosts on this evening. Hi, Jeff and Charlie again. Hi, also, Dave. David. That's uh, Jeff, yeah. CBS is having a, a pre, pre-Tony pre Ward special Ooh. at noon on uh, 
on Sunday. Is it going to be Joan Rivers kind of thing, or just... Uh... I don't know. They've been, you know, they usually do, like, if you tune into their morning show, they usually, they're, they're very good on, on Theater Week, which this is in the city. Right. Although Bloomberg hasn't opened up Gracie Mansion to us. Oh, well. Like... Like the old, like, like Giuliani did. Yeah. Hey, by the way, before we get um, any further, I want to tell people that we have a ticket giveaway. We have two pairs of, of value. T- yeah, actually, it is. These are like thirty, thirty-five dollar tickets here, which we have to give away. We're going to give away one pair this hour, and then one pair the next hour to not a Broadway show, but a show that is based on Broadway. It's called Something Wonderful: A Richard Rogers Celebration in Song. Um, and it's got four pretty well-known cabaret performers, K.T. Sullivan, Mark Nadler, Craig Rubano, and Heather McRae, who's actually a Broadway performer. You might have seen her Wasn't in Falsettos. Wasn't her father, uh, Gordon McRae, who was in Oklahoma? She's, I think, the daughter. Yeah, yeah. So these are four folks that are going to be at Town Hall tomorrow night, June 3rd. Um, that's at 123 West 43rd Street. Uh, just off 6th Avenue. The, now, for tickets, you can buy them at 212-307-4100. That's if you want to buy tickets. But if you want a pair of free tickets, absolutely free to this show, which will go from the songs of Rogers and Hart, which include Isn't It Romantic and My Funny Valentine, all the way through the hits of the great Rogers and Hammerstein theater scores to Oklahoma, to South Pacific, The King and I. Um, all you got to do is call me here at the station. Now, Just call you. What's Just the number, Dave? The number is area code 631-888-8811. Dave, I didn't have a pen. Could you please repeat that number for me? I'll repeat it and slowly. Area code 631-888-8811. Just calling. You might be on hold for a while before someone can get you on the phone, but please, please do feel free to call in. We're also going to try and take some phone calls of people, uh, maybe in the next hour, to talk with us about the theater that you've seen on and off Broadway this year. But again, 631-888-8811 for a pair of tickets to Something Wonderful, a Richard Rogers celebration in song tomorrow night, June 3rd, Friday, uh, at Town Hall. So if you can't go, or you don't have someone to give the tickets to, please don't, you know, don't call us. Save it for someone who really can Go to this. So six three one eight 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 one one. Now, guys, because it is something wonderful. Yeah, yeah, it should be. It sounds pretty wonderful. I mean, what could be better than the music of Rogers and Hammerstein and Rogers and Hart and Rogers? You know, I don't know if they'll be humming right. "Victory at Sea." <laughs> but uh, let's do one well, or two more categories from, from uh, his other shows. Like I remember Mama. Well, you know what? I'm sure they will. They'll probably pick out a couple of semi-rarities. Let's, uh, let's do one category because we have one other interview also to get to uh, in this hour. So why don't we go to the best direction of a musical? And the um, Is it my turn to pronounce names? Go for it, dude. Is it James Lapine for the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee? Very good. Now, can you spell Lapine? L-A-P-I-N-E. Very good. Mike Nichols for Monty Python's Spamalot, Jack O'Brien for Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, and Bartlett Share. Yeah, well done. For The Light in the Piazza. So for Direction of a Musical, Jeff, what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, this is a tough one because I don't think that anything was particularly well directed. I don't think they go... I think the best one is Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, but I don't think they're going to give Jack O'Brien a third in a row, you know, well, Tommy Award. Yeah. Um, although he, I think he's a brilliant director. I don't know if they're going to give Light in the Piazza because it's not that well directed, and I think it might just go to it's, it might just go to Mike Nichols for coming back to Broadway. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, not not, not only coming back yeah. to Broadway, but coming back in a comedy. 
Well, yeah. Well, but I mean, he, I think he also keeps uh, Scoundrel very light and airy and fun, which is very crucial. Nice Whereas Scoundrel is also really delightful, but I think the director could work to cut it down. It's a little long. Or, sim- or simply the way he staged the Luminous not Night. Well, he likes big things. <laughs> what about your thoughts, uh, Charlie? I-, I have to concur with Jeff um, for the reasons I just mentioned. I think Monty Python is the big hit of the season. It- it's the show on everybody's mind. Mm. Mike Nichols is certainly on everybody's mind. Mm-hmm. And just... Certainly Diane every- Sawyer's mind, yeah. yeah well, it's <laughs> 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 true. Mm-hmm. And perhaps her body. Yeah, other parts. <laughs> but... Um, but David was saying that there, there kind of is, I think, going to be this backlash against it being so popular. But I, I don't think it will reflect in Best Direction. In fact, no. the backlash was like a month ago, and now it seems like there might be a forward <laughs> lash again. Yeah, it goes so quickly now. We're having, we're having Spamalot Whiplash. <laughs> Spamalash. <laughs> hey guys, I have another interview. This is so cool. Ooh. Another another and interview, and it's a lady type. Yes, I get, you know, when we played you the Jewish number before, when, yeah, another one besides my wonderful wife, Joyce. By the way, I'll, I'll do the thank yous at the end of the the three hour bit. We're here till ten, folks. Yes, um, but no, she's a, she's a really cool. Can we say hi to Joyce and the kids? What? Oh, my dogs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Joyce. Uh, Are you actually listening to your husband's show for the full three hours? <laughs> I don't think she's even home yet, but if she were... But she, but she has a radio in her office, no doubt, uh, in her car. Yeah, oh, we'll make or, the, or playing for her, her cavity fillings. But this lady is also very, very nice, and she is the editor of Stage Directions magazine, uh, and you know, she has also seen most of the shows on Broadway, and is going to talk to us about a couple of categories. Her name is Iris Dorbian, mm. and she's with us right now. And we are here on this Thursday night, June 2nd, in preparation for the Tony Awards coming up this Sunday on the WGBB first ever, possibly first annual Tony Awards special. And what we've been doing all night is having different critics weigh in on different categories of the Tonys, what they think will win, what they want to win. And I'm very pleased to have yet another critic on the line with us, uh, someone who's been in the game a little more recently than some of the other folks we've talked to. She's been writing about theater for six and a half years now. She's the editor of Stage Directions magazine, and her pieces have also appeared in Playbill and the Jerusalem Post and a couple of dance magazines as well. She's a member of the American Theater Critics Association, and her name is Iris Dorbian, and we welcome her. She's been on the show before, or she's been on my show. Dave's gone by before, and we welcome her to the Tony special. Hey, Iris. Hello, how you doing? I'm all right. How you doing? Okay, all right. Are you excited about this year's Tonys, or is it... Uh, uh, I mean, it's... (sighs) Yeah, I guess... No, I mean, because I think that there's some categories that are unfortunate locks, and I say unfortunate because I just wish they were a little more open, because... um, there are some very good choices this year, but there seems to be a bias towards certain uh, certain shows. Well, be specific. Yeah. For example, Best Musical. Mm-hmm. It uh, seems like Spamalot is a virtual lock for the category. I mean, it won the Drama Desk, and it's won um, other awards as well. And yet, I have to say, mm-hmm. having seen all musicals, I don't think it's the best. You uh, like Good Vibrations, was it? Or... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Dracula. <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> I'm still gunning for Dracula. Yeah, well. um, I'm wearing black because it wasn't nominated. <laughs> yeah. um, you see, all four of the musicals, I think that they're all good in one way, but they're all flawed in another. 
Yeah, how, how is... I, I, I would probably throw my vote for scoundrels at yes, this point. Yes, I agree with you. I so it's flawed. It's just too long, I think. I think they, they lose the, a little bit towards the last half hour. But, uh, and I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that it doesn't have as much industry supported as it should have had. But how is the musical flawed, do you feel? Dirty Ron Scoundrel? Yeah. Um, I think it's a little long. I, th- oh, I think, yeah, I think right. they could have done some judicious cutting here and there. And I, I agree. I, I'm always a big champion of cutting. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you mean. Because, you know, I can usually tell when I like a show if I... How, how many times I look at my watch during the first act. True. I don't look at my watch at, at not one time, then I know it's a huge hit. If I look at it once, then it's very good. If I look at it twice, then it's good. If I look at it three times, it's fair. I had to pry my watch off my corneas and lighten the piazza, I'll tell you that much. Literally, just stuck there. Well, lighten the piazza is... Um, yeah. <sighs> Uh, it's a bit of a bore. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. It's a bit, it's a bit plotting. Um, I, I think for me, what really, what really sells that show is the strength of the two lead performances. I think they're just. Ex- I think they're wonderful, and I love the set design. I do yeah. think that the set design will win. Um, the set design is for for musical. Well, actually, let's jump to that category because we haven't really done much technical stuff okay. on the show. Um, you've got that going up against Tim Hatley for Spamalot, Rumi Matsui for Pacific Overtures, mm-hmm. and Anthony Ward for Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and the Flying Car. You know, it's a tough category because yeah. they all have wonderful scenic components to all the shows. I mean, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang has that fantastic car that is the star of the show. It gets its own standing ovation. I know. Uh, Pacific, Pacific Overtures had a wonderful set. And the set was crucial in Pacific Overtures. Yeah, yeah. Tim Hatley did win a couple of years ago for that um, that, birthday, that birthday cake set of um, hmm. No Coward Revival. Oh. Um, well, so, I, yeah. I think Light in the Piazza will win. Um, I think the underdog uh, in this category is Hatley. But I think Light in the Piazza will win for this, the wonderful, evocative design. Like, that's... That scene where they're in the museum and you see the fake Michelangelo's hanging, yeah. it's, just, it's just tremendous because it brings you into that world. And um, it, it really is terrific, and I think it will win. Okay. What about uh, for costumes? For a, um, let's see, for a play, you've got Jess Goldstein for The Rivals. Does anybody remember that? <laughs> Jane Greenwood uh, for Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. William Ivy Long for Streetcar Named uh, Desire. Yeah, yeah. And Constanza Romero for Gem of the Ocean. Well, I don't think Constanza Romero is going to win. Gem of the Ocean didn't play that long to yeah. garner that much support, and unfortunately, in any category. It's a shame. Uh, William Ivy Long is the perennial, is always a perennial favorite. Um, Mm-hmm. Jane Greenwood, I mean... She only had to close four people. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And, and how, how clever were those costumes? <laughs> and, and well, the rivals thing may have the edge. At, you can get them at your local Kmart. <laughs> I mean, Jess Goldstein's The Rivals, that's my pick. Because well, everybody will say, right, it's a typical thing, like Gandhi, when you have to close 400 people instead of 10, even though they're all in sheets... <laughs> But here, when you get something like The Rivals, which is like 18th century or 17th century. There, there's yeah. actually, so there's a tremendous, there's wonderful period costumes. Okay. There's great detail. So that's my vote. And let's see, for a musical costume design, Tim Hatley for Spamalot, Junko Koshino 
for Pacific Overtures. Beautiful costumes, yeah. but again, uh, I don't think people won't remember it. That much interest yeah. to support. People won't remember it. William I. B. Long for Lacage and Catherine Zuber for Piazza. I, I think what should win, I don't know if it's going to win, is Catherine Zuber from Light in the Piazza. I love the costumes there. Sure. Um, you think Hatley might pull it out? But, but those are costumes mostly based on movie costumes yeah, anyway, yeah. so it wasn't Hatley, always original. I, I think uh, Hatley could be an upset or could be long because he's such a beloved perennial favorite. You know, and that, and he just goes to, I mean, he, I mean, Lacage is And it's a costume him. show, actually. Uh, I, oh, yeah. He, he's yeah. made for Lacage, and it is a costume show. And I'll tell you this, though, about uh, Spamalot. There's that moment when Sarah Ramirez is in her dress, mm-hmm. and she needs a wedding dress really quick. Mm-hmm. That's a great costume change. <laughs> it, it takes literally a quarter of a second. Boom. And, and she does it right in front of you. And that, I would almost give the award right for that. So it's a good category. What about uh, lighting design? We've got uh, Doubt, Gem of the Ocean, Streetcar, and okay. Pillow Man. I would say for my vote for lighting design of the play mm-hmm. is Pillow Man. Brian yeah, it was pretty Pillow Man. effective, yeah. I, I think it's, it, it really lends to the, the brooding sort of ghoulish atmosphere and the, and the storytelling that's being spun by the uh, lead character, that very dark world. Um, it almost becomes a character in its own right, the lighting. And finally, for lighting um, of a musical, Christopher Ackerman for Light in the Piazza, Mark Henderson for Chitty Chitty, Ken Posner for Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, and Hugh Van Stone for the ubiquitous Spamalot. Okay. My vote? Yeah. Christopher Ackerman. Ackerman for Light in the Piazza. Well, yeah, because the mood of, the of mood, Venice. Yes. Yeah. It, it, it's very moody, nuanced lighting. It, it adds tremendously to the proceedings. Okay, let's... The drama unfolding in the show. The one thing I wanted to get back to before we let you go is, I don't think we talked about play, and I just wanted to get your pick for best play of the well, year. Well, it's kind of a, it's a, almost a virtual lock doubt. Well, that's what will win. Would you vote for that if you were voting? Yeah, doubt. I think doubt. I mean, the only... The underdog is Pillow Man, but I think it's going to be doubt. I agree. There's a tremendous amount of support for the show. When the Pulitzer is one sweeping all the pre-Tony awards, so it's going to be that. Well, I have no doubt that it's been great to talk to Iris Dorbian. Mm-hmm. So talking to you. On this special pickup. Uh, can, where can people get Stage Directions magazine? Well, can they get <laughs> you They can, go to your house. Well, well one thing, <laughs> you can also, you can subscribe to your, our website, which is www.stage-directions.com. Stage-directions.com. Right. We're, also, we're, op- we're also available at your local Barnes & Nobles, Universal News Outlets, and drama stores. Cool. So, okay, it's definitely findable and worth finding. It's a good magazine about the technical side of theater. That's technical why I wanted to ask design the aspects questions. Of theater. Design. Practical aspects of theater. There you go. Mm-hmm. Iris Dorbian, thanks so much for being part of the WGBB Tony Special. I thought I'd seen it all. I thought I knew the score. But coming here I found a world I've never seen before Now I know where I belong A life of taste and class With culture and sophistication Pouring out my ass What do I want? I want this I want this Ah, I want this I thought I had a real 
gift, that penny and he grip. But Freddy's getting ready now to give his life a lift. I'm tired of being a chump. I wanna be like Trump. Two hundred pounds of caviar and one gigantic lump. Give me great big stuff. This is how I gotta live. Great big stuff. Oh, oh no, alternative. Great big stuff. I want my silver spoon. Don't need it right now, but I better get it A mansion with a moat around which I will float with some vast bottom babies in my glass bottom boat. A house in the Bahama, paisley silk pajamas, poker with Al Roker and our friend Lorenzo Llamas. Give me great big I really do get servants. With servants who will surface. I don't give a damn what it's perfect. Some naked twister, blot him in the ground with a playmate and her sister. Rap stars will love me. Get me a potty eye. Chilling in the city, sitting pretty in the caddy with me daddy or pup kitty or whatever. I'll change my name too. I'll get my hat back on him down. The islands in the winter, the Hamptons in the summer, the fashion plate I date and give me hummers in my hummer, the cash to keep me idle, the chicks to keep me vital, the pills to keep me happy even when I'm suicidal. Great big song from Great Big... Well, called Great Big Stuff from Dirty Rotten Scoundrels on this WGBB Tony Awards special. I'm here, Dave Lefkowitz, with you until 10 o'clock, and my special co-hosts, Charlie Gross and Jeff hey. Goodman. Dave? Yeah, Jeff. May the critics dance. Um, yeah. <laughs> as long as the station manager doesn't find out, hop up on that table and dance your, your heart out. Yes, because Jeff's, Jeff's got a lot of great big stuff. <laughs> oh, th- thank you, Charlie. Yeah, they do this all the time on their program. He's always asking to see it. Oh. Uh, yeah, we're, it's, no, it's, it's still 8 o'clock. We're still prime time, so we have to be... You heard I had to cut out a word from that song. 
What word? Yeah. Well, the word he cut out. Of the four-letter other, not the really bad four-letter word, but the brown <laughs> four-letter word. You know, you know, David, work is a four-letter word. I, I agree. I certainly agree. Well, although this is fun, for, I'm working, but this is great for me. I love talking about the theater, sharing Tony news and interviews and thoughts with folks. Tony is a four-letter word. Well, we yeah. we we like talking about it with you, which is why almost every year we have you on two on the aisle. This year you couldn't make it, but. Tomorrow night will be the annual Two on the Isle Tony Awards show. Mm-hmm. You can see that if you happen to be in Manhattan and get cable, you can see it on Channel 57 at 8 o'clock. But if you're out here in the lovely Long Island area, you can get it on the web, www.mnn, that's like MaryNancyNancy.org, O-R-G. And you do that tomorrow night at 8 o'clock because it's broadcast, it's simulcast live on the web. And you click on Channel 57, and you can see Jeff and I talk about the Tonys. Now, it's a good thing Charlie doesn't plug anything. <laughs> if you really miss David, especially the show well. right before Two on the Isle, yeah, at 7:30 is Eve Harrington and her theater program. Eve Harrington, Eve, 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 Harrington is from what, what movie? All about Eve, right? It's all about applause, Eve. applause, applause. Yeah, no, but Eve, Eve Harrington, Harrington. We're all rolled up. Our little Eve No, she, she's a great friend, and um, I'm. I think I'm also on her Tony show, or Which one I, of I them, am yeah. assuming will be tomorrow night, right before. That's right. Which yeah. only opens for our Tony show. Right. So who's more important, <laughs> Eva? <laughs> as long as we're plugging, but she doesn't have great big stuff. I'm not even gonna go there. Um, let's see. For for more great big stuff about this show, and by the way, I should plug my own program show. Oh, Normally, you would hear me, you would hear my voice on Thursday nights at seven for my other show, Dave's Gone By, which will be back next week. All new stuff. Some of it great, some of it big, some of it. Eh, you never know from week to week, but I have fun doing it. And that's 7 to 8 every Thursday night. You want to find out more about it, go to davesgongby.org. Uh, the dot-com's having a little trouble at the moment. I think it's a little overloaded because this show tonight was mentioned in the Daily News. Yay! Booyah! Radio column Daily News today, the WGBB Tony special hosted by me. But normally, 7 to 8, you'll hear me on Dave's Gone By. And then 9 o'clock, Filler Up, which is preempted tonight. But uh, normally that's just an hour of music that I'm picking and doing DJ for. So uh, check that all out at davesgoneby.org. So plenty of Dave to go around. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Evie's show that is called High Drama. Yeah. And her name is Eva with an A, not E with an E. Okay. Let's do a... Is that Liza with an S-Z, not Lisa with an S? It's Liza with a C for Coke. No, I don't know what that means. I do not know what that means. Jeff. I can't see it. We'll be happy to tell you. Dins. You saw Dragon Rotten Scoundrel. Dins. Let's get back to the categories, because we don't, Ooh. believe it or not... Let's give away another Tony, shall we? <laughs> well, let's see. To Direction of a Play. Um, if you guys were uh, choosing for Direction of a Play, I'll read these. If, uh, we've got John Crowley. Yeah, I like Charlie to All right. Pronounce. Charlie, please. The Pillow Man. Scott Ellis, 12 Angry Men. Doug Hughes, Doubt. And Joe Montello, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Very nice. Ooh, so, and, Charlie, and the winner is. I will, t- I will tell you. <laughs> I think the winner will be Doug Hughes for Doubt. However, I think Scott Ellis is going. Is, did a wonderful job with Twelve Angry Men. Just the fact that he can stage a jury in hmm. a jury room with all these men sitting down and having to face each other, half of them with their backs to the right. stage, and he pulled it off. That uh, that should be something. But that is just such a wonderful show, and this is such a solid production that I think that will be doing a lot of sweeping 
And I, I think Doubt is going to sweep like everything. Even for Direction. Yeah, even for Direction. I, th- I think Doubt is going to go... Every, every category it's nominated in, it's, it should win, I think. I think... You know, Except for maybe, maybe set. But I, th- I still think Dad had a great set, and I think it might win. Pillow Man may be the, comp- the uh, strong competition. Oh, I think 12 Angry Men might, just because it has 14 people in mm-hmm. it, you know. Um, and I wouldn't mind, wouldn't mind this being Virginia Woolf on here also, because that, that was a pretty mm-hmm. special revival and required some special and handling. And it was the first revival of Virginia Woolf on Broadway. Oh. Let's um, move on quickly to one of the tech categories, the lighting stuff. Uh, lighting of a musical. Jeff, if you will. Pat Cowan's for Doubt, Donald Holder for Gem of the Ocean. Ocean. Okay, let's and play. play. Those are musicals? It's okay, we'll, we'll play. play. Pat Cowan's for Doubt. didn't mispronounce anything. That's true. And uh, Donald Holder, both. He got two nominations. One was for Gem of the Ocean, mm-hmm. the other was for The Streetcar Named Desire. <sighs> and Brian. And, and Brian McDivitt for The Pillar Man. And so, for lighting, what do we think? Hmm. I, I, I don't, you know, of all these things, still is. Strangely enough, I think that Streetcar had great lighting. Yeah, well, that's not... I thought it was... Uh, I, I, uh, you know... It was evocative of New Orleans of yeah. that era. Yeah, or really even of this that, era, yeah. You know, but then... Pillow Man really, was kind of scary, yeah. Yeah, and if you really notice the lighting, is it good? Mm. Well, but people do notice the lighting in Pillow Man, I think. And because of that, because they actually notice it, they may actually vote for it. Oh, see, they can see how the lighting is making a difference. Right. You know, well, the, yeah. You know, the the saying is, well, if you notice the lighting, it can't be any good. That's that that is not true. true. But it's not. But it, it really isn't. But I wouldn't be surprised if doubt wins, just because it'll just. It's like the wave. It's a very the wave of doubt. I think <laughs> I think lighting is a very up in the air category this year. Fair enough. Well, well, that's what yeah. that's all. What about the what musical category? Well, we wouldn't want to be left in the dark about that. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Sorry. Ooh. Charlie's going to read the. Charlie's going to read the best lighting people for a musical. It's on the top of that page, Charlie. Don't for, for a musical. All right. Uh, Christopher Acklin, The Light in the Piazza. Mm-hmm. Mark Henderson, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Kenneth Posner, Dirty Rotten that would be Posner. Scoundrels. I think it is Posner, but close enough. That's pretty good. We'll see. And? Don't be Posner. Hugh Vanstone, Monty Python's Spamalot. Okay, so what are your thoughts on that? Um, well, Light in the Piazza has a beautiful, lush setting and feeling. So I think that's got a very good shot. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which I think has this incredible scenery. I mean, just the car If you don't alone. have good lighting, that car ain't flying. Yeah, yeah. or, you know, it, it, it will demystify it, which is almost as bad. And I think there's been a major uh, prejudice against this musical because, it, you know, it is, it does have a uh, an appeal to children. Call it Charlie, do you curse. like this musical? I love it. <laughs> I, I, I will tell you, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, as far as I'm concerned, should be should get the best uh, the Tony Award for best musical. It's not nominated, but okay. I think <laughs> of all the shows, unfortunately, you know what? I don't think it's, it's going to win. <laughs> no. But again, this is the show I think should win. I didn't say it was going to win. Obviously, it will not. Wait, you think Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was better than Spamalot yes. and Dirty Rotten Scoundrels yes. and even Spamalot? Put together, yes. Why? Absolutely. I mean, it's yeah, well. jumping a category well, or two, but... I, number one, I think, especially with the reorchestration of the uh, songs, mm-hmm. you really appreciate how talented the Sherman Brothers are as songwriters. I think a lot of times we write them off because most of their work is done in the movies. But if you listen to the music and you, you know, start analyzing the lyrics, they're a lot more impressive uh, than okay. they seem on the surface. Also, I think the story has been strengthened 
a good deal. In the second act, yeah. Even in the first, no, even in the first act, because they emphasize the family ties a lot more strongly than they did in the movie. In the movie, you know, you knew uh, Caractus. Caractacus Potts was a widower, but they never mentioned it. I can't you pronounced Caractacus Potts perfectly. You <laughs> 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 Donald Poser. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. I've had a little practice on this one. <laughs> uh, and by the way, you know, he even liked Chitty Chitty Bang Bang better than Good Vibrations. Well, so did I. I mean, no, I, th- so I think hard. there's, there's I stuff think to recommend on Chitty Chitty Bang so Bang. No, I'm talking about Good Vibrations. So, 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 so Ooh, no good. So, so did a lot of people, but... It, it really, it just came together. I sat there, and I was entertained from start to finish. You know, I, I figured I would like it, because I have to admit, I am a fan of the movie, but here, I really, I didn't have to force myself. I just sat down, and I enjoyed it from start to finish, and I cannot say that about any other show. Yeah, that that, wow. That's for the lighting. <laughs> well, yeah, well, finish off the lighting real quick. Do okay. we think, um, for the musical... Who's going to get it? Piazza, because it has light in the title, and it does... It gets that gentle, light Venice look that people are saying, oh, I wish I could live on that set, you know. Yeah. Is that going to be what they're going to vote for? Unless it's hit by what uh, Jeff, I think, called the Disney curse, which is what happened with Beauty and the Beast, um, I think it will be uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Because, also, it's because of that tie-in between set and lighting, especially, especially then, I forget who said it, but... Whoever did, won the Tony Award for um, K2, the set design for K2 back way back when? Ming Cho Lee, yeah. That's it. Ming Cho Lee did that. Mm-hmm. And in his expect, acceptance speech, I thought yeah. it was the best acceptance speech. It was like five seconds long. The guy who did the lighting didn't win a Tony Award. He goes, and by the way, he goes, if so-and-so did not do the lighting for my set, all you would see is a huge sunk chunk of styrofoam on stage. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know? Nicely put. In, in yeah. case and you did not see K2, that, this was uh, a show about two people climbing the mountain, K2. Yeah, of course. The, the well, mountain not, was not crucial. Not this. Oh, okay, yeah. And, no, and the set was the mountain, and it was incredible. Yeah, but, but anyway, I th- I, and that's where I think, especially for Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, because if it didn't have good lighting, then the car really wouldn't fly, because it... It, yeah, it, it's shine, very much of an or... optical illusion. Yeah, it, it's true. it's a really and it's a really a lighting effect as well as a set effect. I mean, but the car really doesn't fly. I don't know. Yeah, Charlie, the car. Oh, flies. don't break his heart, Jeff. Please. Now go back to sleep, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> um. No, no, everybody, stay awake because we have more and more and more of the WGBB Tony Award Special tonight, up until ten o'clock. I'm with you, Jeff, and Charlie are with you. We have more ticket giveaways. We have a Tony quiz coming, and we have more. Interviews with cool people. Another critic we have on the telephone. And um, a critic tonight. That's the point. As I said in the first hour, you know, yes, I, in my career I've talked to a lot of directors and actors and writers and stuff. But in my life as a theater writer, I mostly deal with critics, and people don't get to hear from them that much. I mean, they see them in the print, and they wonder, oh, they're these angry, cruel, humorless people who are just looking to knock things down. And maybe I'm trying to get across more than anything tonight, aside from loving theater. Are there any children we can beat right now? <laughs> well, yeah, we do hate children, but that's... that's <laughs> and dogs. <laughs> and um, cell phones. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. But, no, we're big fans of the theater. We love it. We talk passionately about it. We have fun with it. We, meet, we make fun of it. We make fun of each other, and we have fun with each other. And that's, that's really the cool thing. So well, let's have a... Let's, yeah, let's call in and make fun of Jeff tonight. <laughs> no, let's not... Or they could win tickets. <laughs> that's right. But later, later, later. Now, let's get to another interview with another critic, the wonderful and delightful Jeannie Lieberman. 
And we are continuing the WGBB Tony Awards special on this Thursday night. And I have yet another critic, and I'm going to hold her feet to the fire and ask her about a bunch of her Tony picks and predictions for this year's awards. And uh, our guest, Jeannie Lieberman, has been a critic since 1986, started with the New York Law Journal, and has since started her own website. She's the editor and senior reviewer for Theatre Scene. Dot net, and you can spell that with an R-E or an E-R, theaterscene.net. Uh, she also does reviews on the radio, and a bunch of other stuff. She's a member of the Drama Desk and the Outer Critics Circle, and she's going to talk about a couple of different categories. Welcome, Jeannie Lieberman. Delighted to be here, especially this time of year. Yeah. Well, it is an exciting thing. You were going to talk, first of all, about the differences or, or similarities between the Tonys and the Drama Desks. Well, basically, the Drama Desk Awards are uh, voters, are critics, and so they have a sort of elitist approach, mm-hmm. a little bit nitpicking, and do not always reflect the public's opinion. The Tonys, on the other hand, are very commercial. They're more interested in what will sell, and what will sell especially on the road in the regionals. Mm-hmm. So audience uh, delight is a big factor here, and I, as a result, their awards are usually more realistic than the others. Realistic meaning? Meaning that it's what people actually like. Ah, okay. I mean, for instance, the Drama Desk gave Lighten the Piazza Best Musical, and everybody I know, including myself who was there, uh, left, a lot of people left at intermission or slept through it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't allowed sleep, to leave, but I And I would never sleep, but <laughs> it didn't mean I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, I, I yawned quite a lot, though I didn't quite fall asleep in it, but I'm still... When you give an award... You know, a best musical to a show like that, your credibility is questioned. Well, what would you, since we're on that category, what uh, would you give it to? Would you give it to Spamalot, Scoundrels, or Spelling Bee? Well, actually, I loved Scoundrels. I was amazed that the drama desk overlooked it almost entirely, except for the lead, you know, Norbert Leo Butts. But uh, I, I thought it was brilliant. And uh, Spamalot, I, I can't even mention it without giggling. I mean, these are two crowd pleasers. So well, how could you know? Yeah. How could what that be uh, come in? How could they come in second? To lighten the piazza, I, yeah. I do not understand that. I really don't. Thank um, you. <laughs> and since we're on the big boys, I guess I guess we'll stick with the big boys. Okay. Play democracy, doubt, gem of the ocean, and pillow man. Well, democracy was a snoozer. I mean, James Norton sort of sleptwalk through the play. It didn't have a really enticing subject uh, for our modern audience, uh, Billy mm. Brandt. And so it could have been made more vital by good performances, but it didn't. Yeah, I, th- I think there the production didn't live up to the play. I think it could be a very good play, it but we didn't see that in New well, York. It certainly has a pedigree with the correct author, Michael Frayn. Oh, yeah. Well, I loved Copenhagen. Yes, That's a beautiful exactly. Play. So this was a big disappointment for most of us. And what did you think of the August Wilson? I loved it. I, you know, that mm. play was was sabotaged by publicity. Uh, the uh, the news of its financial problems leaked out mm. way bef- before it opened, and that destroyed its credibility. So it didn't. Everyone and it delayed the opening. So people had no great desire to see it, thinking, well, if it wasn't worth financing, you know, yeah. it wasn't worth seeing. Yeah. But I believe it was the best of all the new plays. Really? So you would vote for that? For I the definitely oh. did and would. <laughs> and what about, I probably doubt will win. Uh, did you like it? Did you like Pillow Man? I, I cannot say I liked Pillow Man, but I can say that I respect it. It's, it was truly the most innovative 
of the uh, plays. Mm -hmm. It was deeper and more complex than Doubt in many levels, and it was more of a of a Broadway production. Doubt was tight. It's a, it's it, well, it was intense. It was tight. It was tiny. <laughs> you know, I I told that to people. I said the one problem that I had with Doubt, and why I still after I'd seen it on Broadway and had not yet seen The Pillow Man, I hadn't made up my mind whether that would be what I would vote for for the Tonys. And the only reason I wouldn't have at a certain point was it felt very chambery. It felt like a little quiet sort of circle reppy Yeah, Yeah, it was perfect for Off-Broadway. Yeah. Whereas Pillow Man was kind of thrilling, and yet in the long run I still like Doubt more ultimately and probably would vote for it. I think Pillow it. Man, but its subject matter uh, was basically unlikable. Well, yeah. And it is, again, more of an elitist uh, uh, award if it would get one than a populist one. Let's go to some of the uh, lead, the supporting actress uh, categories, the featured actor and actresses okay. for this year. So, best performance by a featured actor in a play, Alan Alda, Glengarry, Gordon Clapp, Glengarry, Leave Schreiber, Glengarry, David Harbour in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, and Michael Stuhlbarg in Pillow Man. And they could have probably listed another five to ten actors equally. Equally. Uh, that's that's Goldblum, the yeah, equally. You know, yeah. I don't think any of these were really outstanding. Uh, oh, really? Okay. I think Lee Schreiber uh, can walk away with anything he does anytime, anywhere. Mm, and he right. sort of electrifies the stage in Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Uh, Stuhlberg is the favorite now. He'll probably get it. It was a tough role. Uh, Alan uh -huh. Alder yeah. came in late. And uh, and it was brief. David Harbour is new. Not that you know he did a, a great job. Gordon Clapp, Glenn Glary, Glenn Ross. It's, it's an ensemble piece. Yeah, he's very. I mean, they're all very good. That's, they're all very yeah. good, but they're they're all part of an ensemble. Although, if you want to pick one out, as you said, Liv Schreiber sort of stands. Really I, I out would there. pick him because he's he just electrifies the whole play whenever he's on stage. What about uh, featured actress and in, in, uh, actress in a play? Actress. Well, Let's see, that's uh, Mireille Anos. I, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. And <laughs> Wolf. And Heather Golden Hirsch, whom I could not stand in doubt. Thank Dana you. Ivey, The Rivals. Adrian Lennox in doubt. And Amy Ryan in uh, Streetcar Named Desire. Well, of the five, uh, two of them were cam three of them were cameos, really. Golden Hirsch for doubt. Lennox for doubt. And Dana Ivey. Well, in the these rivals. are featured. These are featured actors. I know, but they, but they were featured compared. I mean,. They were mini compared to Amy Ryan's role in Streetcar and Marielle Enos's role in as the Disney yeah. wife in Virginia Woolf. That was a multi-layered role that that spanned the entire play, and and deserved. I think she deserves the award for that. Do you think she'll get it? I think Amy Ryan. No, is gonna she won't get it. <laughs> Amy Ryan will get it. It's the only thing probably Streetcar will will take home. Um, so what else? Unfortunately, I might add. Musical, 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 uh, featured people. Let me find it. Featured actor in a musical. Dan Fogler, the big guy in 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. Mark Kudish in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Michael McGrath or Christopher Sieber from Spamalot. And Matthew Morrison, like in the Piazza. Okay. Dan Fogler was cute, but it was gimmicky in, in Spelling Bee. Mm -hmm. And it's his first time out. I won't even talk about Kudish and Chitty Chitty Bang. Again, <laughs> cameo. I, don't I like Jane Mac Maxwell. Though. Okay. <laughs> Michael McGrath is, is a brilliant actor who was cursed to be always a sidekick and didn't do anything really outstanding except sure. his consistency and professionalism. 
Matthew Morrison was brilliant in a difficult role, brilliant uh, as the Fabrizio, the young lover. Uh, and this is a musical you didn't even like. So that's, that's right. A pretty nice. So he yeah. had to work even harder. I think anybody deserves a award for that being enlightened in the piazza. <laughs> they had to work so hard just to overcome the score. Well, probably the set design will, will might take home uh, something. It's a pretty, well, pretty I, I have problems with that, too. Time for, uh, let's see, oh, two more things. First of all, featured actress in the musical, Joanna Gleason from Scoundrels, Celia Keenan-Bolger from Spelling Bee, Jan Maxwell from Chicky Chicky Bang Bang, Kelly O'Hara, Light in the Piazza, and Sarah Ramirez from Spamalot. Uh, Joanna did her usual good job, nothing special. Uh, 25th Annual Spelling Bee was still an ensemble piece, no breakout performances in my mind. Jan Maxwell, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, a cut cutout kind of a jo- uh, role, nothing special. Now, Kelly O'Hara, same thing. A brilliant performance in a difficult musical and a very key role in, in the story. So I would give it to her over Sarah R- Ramirez, who will probably get it, with spam a lot, but again, that's a sort of traditional role. She did. She didn't do anything really special, except you know, she did a good job with the material. But Kelly O'Hara really had a, a, a profound role, and she did an excellent job on it. Okay, we have time for one more category: book of a musical, which okay. I'm just upset that they didn't include All Shook Up, which I think is a very, I very funny, smart book. Good. Yeah. Instead, they found Jeffrey Lane's book for Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Craig Lucas's book for The Light in the Piazza, Eric Idle for Spamalot, and Rachel Scheinken for uh, Spelling Bee. Your thoughts? Well, I'm going to surprise even myself on this, because I love Dirty Rotten Scoundrels so much. And in Spamalot, even if there's, one, there's one song where they, they sang, Where is the Plot? <laughs> you know, if they themselves are singing, where is the plot? Why should we vote for one? Um, and also because all of these are based on m- uh, movies. So when you go to an original book that's based on a movie, I think it takes second place to a book that's original for the play, and that leaves Spelling Bee. Spelling Bee, interesting. Well, I, I like the book better than the score, I'll say that. Oh, the score, I can't even remember it. I know, I was so disappointed yeah. in Finn on this one. I mean, Basically, I love you know, I know you don't want to talk about best score, well, but I would say David Yazbek yes. is the, the new musical's champion. He's, he's the fun, old-fashioned, writes goods. I mean, I've listened to the CD of uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I'm actually listening to Spamalot CD, too, which is a lot I have of fun. also. <laughs> but, but Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, great big stuff. That's a, that's a great song. That's a, a, a great a sound. versatile, you know. Yeah. And he got, he got shut out when he had the full Monty. He got shut out because of the producers. This year, uh, he's going to get shut out by Spamalot, and it's a dirty, well, rotten shame. Or, or he could get shut out by Adam Gettle if the snobs oh, have their please. way. I know. Please, well, that score was not written for the human voice. <laughs> I have it on the best authority. <laughs> well, Jeannie Lieberman, I'm so glad to have your voice chiming in with a bunch of critical voices on this special WGDB Tony Awards uh, program. Thanks so much, everybody. Make sure you go to theaterscene.net to read Jeannie's many, many uh, very smart and fun reviews. Thank you so much, Jeannie Lieberman. A pleasure to be here. David? Yes? May the critics sing... By all means. And dance? 
Uh, yes, with your shoes off, by all means. <laughs> yes, Jeff, of course you may, because anything is permissible on this very special Thursday night, June 2nd, 2005, on AM 1240 WGBB in Freeport, New York, also live streaming on the web at am1240wgbb.com. We're in the WGBB Tony Awards special. Yes, thank you for the drum roll, Jeff. I'm here with Jeff Goodman. I was tap dancing. Oh, of course, how can I... <laughs> Yes, that. Tap dancing with your fingers. And giving us the rim job there, as opposed to a rim job, is Charles Gross. <laughs> Charles <laughs> Gross is a rim when job? You, when you say we can sing and dance, are you saying anything goes? Um, well, good authors who once, you know, knew better, better words, words yes, now all they use, use for a little bit. But right, not right. here. No, no, not on the <laughs> Not at this hour of the night, anyway. Um, but thank you all. Because we're still in the family hour. That's right. That's right. And thanks for being part of the critical family with me, Dave Lefkowitz, here hosting this Tony Award special. What we're doing is we're interviewing a bunch of theater critics. We have a Tony quiz coming up a bit later. Ooh. We have a ticket giveaway. We give away a pair of tickets in the first hour, giving uh, them away, I think, if there's time in this hour, might have to wait for the next hour. We will see. We have a, a couple more special guests, including um, someone who's been on my other show, Dave's Gone By, a few times. The wonderful Rabbi Saul Solomon will be joining us in the third hour to give sort of his benedictions and predictions, if we were, uh, <laughs> if you will, about the Tony Awards. Charlie, you want to say something? Um, pray for him. <laughs> pray, yeah, let, let's pray. And if you're still interested in Tony's after this show, don't forget, Two on the Isle will be having the annual Tony Awards show tomorrow My night. My God, it's like living in an outlet here. There's just way too many plugs. <laughs> www.mnn.org. Tomorrow night, Friday, 8 o'clock, and then when you get on the website, click on Channel 57, and you can see what Jeff and I actually look like. And if you really want to see more theater, watch the Tonys! <laughs> well, why don't you sing that just a little bit louder while I still have an ear left? <laughs> and you know what? Guys, um, I'm, I'm going to have to get back to the categories in a little bit because I have yet another interview to do. So I'm going to have to ask you, hang tight. Is that the interview that goes like this? We don't want to go away. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be worth We're not dead yet. <laughs> we are not dead yet. Sing with me. <laughs> we are not dead yet. We are not dead yet. That's from Spamalot, of course. Um, our next critic on the phone is another person with, with quite a few years in the game. She's a radio critic, um, as, as well as a written one. Really nice lady out of Connecticut who reviews... Um, and also as a member of the Outer Critics Circle. Well, I'll, I'll give her spiel in a second. All you need to know is that her name is Rosalind Friedman, and I'm sure she has her own thoughts about this year's Tony Awards. Continuing the WGBB Tony Awards special here on this magical Thursday. Well, I wouldn't say it's magical, but it's a very fun and enjoyable and uh, pretty exciting Thursday night. I have another critic guest on the phone with me, someone who has been in the biz, the writing and criticism biz, for 26 years, and you can currently hear her theater reviews on WMNR out in Monroe, Connecticut. That, that has a pretty wide reach, actually. Her name is Roz Friedman, or if you go by her byline, Rosalind Friedman. Either way, either name, we're very happy to have her here and get her picks for this year's Tony. Hi, Roz. Hi there, Dave. How you doing? Oh, wonderful. So, are you excited about the Tonys, is it, or is this a no? I really am every year. Um, I, I think they're very challenging. It's terribly hard to vote. Mm -hmm. um, as a member of the Outer Critics Circle, we've just finished our awards, and uh, it's difficult to make these decisions. I think it's been a good season. Okay. For straight plays and musicals, but mainly musicals this year. 
when it turns you, out. Yeah, apparently there's one particular musical you want to talk a, a lot about. So why don't we go to one of the categories you chose that you wanted to mention, which was Best Original Score, Music and or Lyrics, Written for the Theater. And the, um, the nominees are Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, The Light in the Piazza, Monty Python Spamalot, and the 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. Roz, what are your thoughts? Well, I like them all. And I thought they were all very... And I think Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, perhaps the weakest of the group. Uh, Monty Python Spamalot, absolutely a party. Mm-hmm. And his score was lively. I have the uh, CD here, and I've been listening to it. And I, it's very, very good. The 29th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, that William Film Spin score, uh, is so original, but The Light in the Piazza won my heart. I just think it has everything. And Adam, I understand his name is pronounced Gittel. I always used to pronounce it Gittel, the way it's spelled. Yeah, but uh, Richard Rogers' grandson, I think, has done uh, an unbelievable job. It's just a beautiful, beautiful score. Yeah, people um, are going really on both sides of that one. It's sort of like, it's a love it or hate it show. I was bored. Really? (laughs) And I did not really get into the score. I I thought it sounded nice, but when you tried to listen for actual songs with beginnings, middles, and endings, it wasn't really anything I wanted to, to listen to. I wasn't really pulled along. I didn't fall asleep, but, you know, I'm I'm was very surprised. Well, it's interesting because this may be a male-female thing. I don't know. My husband wasn't as impressed with it as I was. And yeah. uh, Although there was a gentleman sitting behind me, a young man, who said he loved it. But um, I just thought it was romantic, and it told the story, and there were some very good numbers in it. Um, I thought it was a chick thing, too, actually, but some of the men I talked to really dug it. I thought it was the best um, piece of work. Yeah. Uh, the most serious and, and human, humane musical. Um, wish I did, too. Uh, so let's get to some other categories, though, including, let's see, you wanted to mention something about best performance by a leading actress in a yes. musical? Well, of course, I loved um, the mother in this, whom I met the other night. And Victoria Clark in, in Light Victoria, in the Pants, huh? Victoria mm-hmm. Clark, and uh, she, had, she just did a super job in developing the character. Because she was multifaceted. She developed this character. She had a marriage that wasn't working. She had a daughter who had been handicapped, or they thought she was handicapped all these years, and this was a constant worry for them. Here she was in a foreign country and meeting all these different people in a family. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought the piece that she did with the father in this one uh, dialogue that they had as they discussed the issue was one of the best scenes I've seen. So uh, I, I just think she did a marvelous job. So would she get your vote? She would get my vote. Over, let's see, Christina Applegate for Sweet Charity, Erin Dilly for Chicky Chicky Bang Bang, Sutton Foster for Little Women, Sugar Women, My Choice. I have to admit that we can only vote for what we see, and I never saw, I never got to see Little Women and Sutton oh. Foster. She's a very talented actress. Yeah. I mean, you know, to me... But I, I don't think that... I don't know if it, it depends upon being in a great show, but I think... From what I have heard about the show and what I've heard of the score, I would say that uh, The Light in the Piazza is a more challenging score. But anyway... Um, and then also the other uh, performer was Sherry Renee Scott for Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. In that Sherry category. gave a wonderful performance. It's a clear performance. She did a very good job, but I just don't think that it measures up. Not in her talent, but if you compare the parts, 
I think that uh, Victoria had the, the bulk of the weight of the show on her. Mm. Okay, shall we get to the biggies, to the majors? Yes. Which include best play. Democracy. Yes. Well, I, I oh. think there's no doubt. For me, it's doubt. There's no doubt, it's doubt. Yeah, it, I don't think there's a critic who hasn't used that pun. <laughs> I'm sorry, but <laughs> yeah, I did read someone who, who voted the pillow, the pillow man, in his review, and said there's no doubt about it. The pillow man would <laughs> be, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was a nice twist on that. Well, I thought the pillow man was pretty thrilling. Um, you know, like, it really grips you while you're in the theater. I'm, I'm. I think a little less of it now that I pulled away from from it, um, but I, I liked out. Yes, That's good. okay. You were you were ripped while you were there. Yeah, and I then, was left completely cold. I had no feelings for this show. I tried very hard. Really, I I wanted to be scared, but I wasn't. It was just gruesome, but it wasn't. It didn't touch me in any way. I had no feeling for it. And what about uh, democracy? Democracy, I felt, was a bit disappointing. I think the part of Billy Brunt, and I love James Norton and almost everything he does, but I felt this was a characterization that was completely offbeat, mm. off, off the center of it. Billy Brunt was a charismatic, smiling man who reached out to people, and I'm uh, unfortunately old enough to remember him. And, um, and this didn't come through at all in the play, and I, I was disappointed. Uh, there were a couple of, you know, good performances in the play, but I just don't think that it made it. And Gem of the Ocean, this is another subject. We could spend a whole hour of your precious time on the radio talking about what's happened to August Wilson. He's just gotten kind of, I won't say predictable, but it is. Totally. So he's well-crafted. I mean, he's a brilliant writer, a great dialogist. But there's something about his plots now that either you know exactly where they're going or when they do go into sort of a supernatural area, I think, it, it just, I don't buy it. I didn't buy that journey he took, you know, on stage. I had no idea what they were doing on stage. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I, I wanted to. I think that Felicia um, Rashad did a beautiful job with the part that she had, but it made no sense. Okay, let's, we have time for one more category. You did want to mention, um, I, I'm another critic who's going to be handling this category as well, but we might as well talk about the special theatrical I can't, uh, event, Dame Edna Laugh Whore, that's the Mario Cantone right. thing that was just on Showtime, actually. Yes. 700 Sundays and Whoopi, the 20th anniversary show. Well, I think Billy Crystal was the surprise in a sense of the season, um, in a way because he did do just stand-up. He has done something that touched the heart in mm. so many different ways and so many different levels. He had, a, and his show is just marvelous. I agree. I mean, and I, his performance is exceptional. If there's any other show besides Doubt that's not in Doubt for an award, except probably Norbert Leo Butts, it's, it's going to be uh, 700 Sundays. Right. So, will you be at the Tonys? Will you be watching the Tonys? I will be watching the Tonys from Florida. Oh. <laughs> For the first time, this has never happened before, but we have a trip planned that, uh, to take care of some things down in Florida, and we don't live there, but we're going on a visit, and I will be landing just before the Tonys, getting to my hotel, <laughs> turning them on, <laughs> and watching, and gripped, gripped with uh, you know anxiety over all of this. <laughs> and just remind people that you are on, your theater reviews can be heard on WMNR. Out in Monroe, Connecticut, and people can pick that up 
Where, like all along the eastern? 88.1 FM, but in in Connecticut, but then all through, we also have stations in New York and different in the Hamptons and different areas outside of New York City. I'm afraid technically I don't know the names of all these stations, but it's a fine arts public radio station, uh, which we're very proud. Well, I'm very proud and happy to have you as a colleague and a friend and to have you on this WGBB Tony Award special with us, Roz Friedman. Thanks Thank so much. David. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Uh, some wunderbar music there from Kiss Me Kate on this wunderbar special on this Thursday night. A couple of nights. Wait, wait. Oh, we're being wildly ignored this special. <laughs> we're sitting there, he's talking to everyone on the phone yet. We're here, and he's not talking to us. Well, well. Gee, I, uh, sorry you feel spurned, Jeff Goodman and Charlie Gross, who who doesn't seem to complain as much as, as Jeff, but I'm very, very pleased to have you both complain? here. Complain? What do you mean complain? We came all the way from our aisle to be here, you know. Yes, two on the aisle. Please don't do the plug now. You've done it twice this hour. I'll do another plug, I promise, but let's get back to Actually, the Actually, I'd like to do a couple of Tony Awards. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, okay. Let, let's let's go back. Let's give out a couple of Tonys. Yes, let's. Um, and Tony but, Perkins goes to... <laughs> Look, how about the costume? Let's get to the best costumes design. The best costumes weren't even nominated. Yeah. Uh, Meaning. Brooklyn has the most phenomenal costumes. A fairly decent set, neither of which were nominated. Very clever, fun set. You looked at the set in anticipation. And the costumes were very clever, too. Yes. I I mean, I I just can't believe that they... I figured they thought Brooklyn was dead in the barrel and they wanted to give it to something maybe. But, you know, but the show has lasted and, well, the show is closing now, but it's Yeah, but it's only closing because it didn't get nominations. It's not going to be I mean. Well, costumes were the same, but yeah. Well, it has a good But I think, you know, Brooklyn was snubbed, basically. Yeah. I mean, you know, there were cast members. We'll have a Brooklyn uprising. In Brooklyn, who certainly deserved to be nominated. I forget who played the title role. Even uh, Espinosa, I believe. She was fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, she was... I mean, she, you know, she's an she American Idol voice. type of fabulous. I know <laughs> yeah. she's... I think, it goes, I think it goes a little beyond that. Okay. Uh, I'll see you in another... I it's thought no there were people who were, were fabulous, too, no. and they were ignored completely. You know. Yeah, well, good vibrations were... Pr- well, not really. No, no good vibrations were well, pretty why much Why wasn't Bikini Girl nominated? Oh, you and Bikini Girl again, Charlie. I would like to know... How she, how this woman got to be Bikini Girl when every woman in the cast was wearing a Bikini yeah, Girl? When you were on last time, you you were going for Bikini Girl, and I was, like, drooling over the blonde <laughs> Edna Ett in the Dame Edna show, I remember. Was she hot with those glasses? or what? Well, I'm, I'm asking Jeff as if he would... <laughs> what? You, did you like the Cajels? <laughs> no, I, th- I, thought that was a, I thought that was a horrible revival. I really didn't like the Cajels. All right, let, wait a minute. Let, let's just get back to costumes, and then because okay. there's big categories for later. So, Tim Hatley for... Um, We'll do it for a musical. Tim Hatley, Spamalot, Junko Koshino, Pacific Overtures, William Ivy Longcage, and Catherine Zuber for Light in the Piazza. Guys, real quick, what's your... Of all the, of all the nominated people, I think <coughs> the one who I would like to see win is not going to win. Well, the which is, oh, no. no, no. Which, oh. which I think, of all the costumes, of, of the four nominated, the most creative was for Pacific Overtures. Hmm. With the oversized um, ambassadors. Yeah, okay. that, was, that was, I mean, and she had wonderful costumes that always they changed. I mean, when they were doing um, the fisherman and his wife were walking, and they changed the costumes. Yeah, it was just because they they fold things. They were like organic costumes. They were they were wonderful. Nice, but but but, but, who, but they're not going to. Who who's going to win? Do you think? 
Oh, they'll probably Spam-a-lot. just give it to Spamalot. Yeah, although a lot of those designs were based on the movie costumes, too. I mean, I yeah. think they were, were also, although her, she had that great costume change. That, uh, that when, she, when she needs the bridal gown, oh, the, yeah, lady sure from, the lady from Half a second, boom, you know, that's cool. Yeah, Charlie? They yeah. actually did that much better in the Big Apple Circus a couple of years ago. Oh, so. I, I have to concur that it will be <laughs> They ripped off the Big Apple I Circus think, again. <laughs> I, think, I think Brooklyn should have been nominated. I think right. Brooklyn should win the Tony Award. But it won't. But so it what? wasn't, and it won't. Spam a lot. So, and for play, you've got Jess Goldstein um, for the rivals, Jane Greenwood, Edward Albies, who is afraid of Virginia Woolf, William Ivy Long for Streetcar Named Desire, and Constanza Romero for Gem of the Ocean. Hard to say. I mean, okay. n- nothing, n- yeah, that's, that's pretty. I, it's think, really nice. I think Jeff has nailed it. Uh, I mean, really, because once again, the best costume play has closed, which is Rivals. Uh, otherwise, they're, they're, you know, oh, those Virginia Woolf costumes are really something special. Let's put culottes on someone. For some reason, you know? I keep thinking Gem of the Ocean. I think people No, it's that. not going to win a closed. Yeah. I'm and I think what happens is Tony voters see it and they go, oh, well, that closed. We're not going to give it to that. All right, let's go to the set design. Um, so did we decide that no one should win costume? Pretty much. <laughs> 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 Maybe we so, just didn't so, care so about By, by your logic, along. it's yeah. got to be Virginia Woolf because I think Streetcar is closing. Um, well, yeah, Streetcar is a limited run. Yeah, roundabout. Wolf might play through the summer, uh, you know, assuming yeah. it does. It's so, not doing so, that so well. So by default. Well, yeah. that'll, that, what, what it's going to be is, since Doubt isn't nominated, they'll give one to, <laughs> <laughs> they'll give one to uh, Virginia Woolf. Now, I think they'll give it to Gem of the Ocean, just, you know, to honor Gem of the Ocean, as they, they, they're they going to no, want to no, give it something. I think it might go to the rivals, because people see costume dramas, and they think, costumes, you know. Um, <laughs> set design, John Lee Baby for Doubt. David Gallo, Gem of the Ocean, Santo Laquasto, Glengarry Glen Ross, and Scott Pass for The Pillow Man. Again, Jeff, I, I, I think it's going to go to doubt with a, I think it's going to go right to doubt because it's going to sweep. And I thought that the set was great. Those yeah. little trucks and, and, and having each character introduced and, and moving. I, I thought that was great. As, as one truck moved out, the next character or truck moved in. I didn't notice that. Okay, what about you, but Charles? The Pillow Man had a very active set. Mm-hmm. And the, the way windows in the set kept flipping for flashbacks and for when the stories were okay. told. And again, people, <laughs> will, people will notice the set. And I therefore think that, it, you know, Dad had a very good set and Dad may sweep, but I would not be surprised to see Pillow Man win. Okay. Um, and what do you think? What do I think? Uh, let's see. You for, well, I, you know, Glenn Gary was also a good set, but it reminded me very, very much of the original. The, it was Gary exactly Glenn the original. Yeah. So, and, and they were all good. I think Doubt, Pillow Man may win, because people will think that the set had more of an impact on it, mm-hmm. whereas Doubt could probably play, well, they both could play on black stage, you know, blank four wall mm-hmm. stages, but Pillow Man the set added something like, scary and totalitarian to it, that was a church and a schoolroom kind of thing. That's not fair, but I think that may be the thinking of it. I, yeah, I, well, the it, thing it, about it that, I thought, was the movement of costumes and Chitty would be nominated at least. Well, it's musical. Let's musical. go to musical then. Um, Tim Hatley, Spamalot, Rumi Matsui for Pacific Overtures. Matsui! Isn't that? Anthony mm. Ward, Chicken Chicken Bang Bang, and Michael Yergin, Light in the Piazza. I think if you've got a full-size car flying on stage plus a candy factory and a windmill. It really is a very impressive set, unless the backlash... Not to mention a very big sewer on stage. (laughs) All right, yeah, that too. Um, Unless there is such a strong backlash against this show, and I think there was a 
unjustified anti-chitty feeling, but I think the show should win, and I think it will win. <laughs> I got the, I got the, <laughs> the anti-chitty fever. <laughs> it's just it's for people who don't give a shit. I think it's in, oh. well, I, they give two I shits. <laughs> for the Sherman Brothers, this is going to be their Beauty and the Beast, and I think Mary Poppins, which is making its way to Broadway, yeah. will be their um, Lion King. And that's ain't lion. Oh, thank you guys. Hey. But anyway, but but as far as that goes, I mean, really, the set and lighting have to win from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang because it it does have spectacular effects, and not even the car. I, I'm talking about the set with the the carnival set was really neat. Yeah, yeah. Although it was and, kind and of weird they, when it they, came out, you know. it yeah. was. But how they transformed, there was that something. Was true. That was there true. was something nice about that. Well, you you just love that something show. Special. I do. So would you love it as much if you didn't have the kids? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. He's chittified. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and we are... Yeah, I, I'd, go back and see it without, I'd go back and see it without the kids. Would you pay for a ticket? Yes. No chit. And tickets are chits, actually, if you think about it. That's another word for it. Anyway, enough punning. I even brought a soup in your car. Hey, you know what time it is? It's about 9 o'clock, which means we got to take a bit of a break. But we will be back for the last third, the last hour of the WGBB Tony Award special with more categories, more fun with me, Charlie, and Jeff on AM 1240 WGBB. Live streaming on the web also at AM 1240 WGBB.com. We have the continuation with our interview with uh, Jay Novick that we, we started earlier. He's going to weigh in some, on some categories. We've got the rabbi coming up, and we've got more music. For more information about all of this, please go to my website, davesgoneby.com. And now, let's give my voice a rest for a moment Buy and listen to this. Seasons of Love from Rent. And I played that one specifically for one of our guests, because Rent is one of his big favorite it musicals. Me, it makes me a little teary-eyed. Jeff was actually doing the tango marine on the uh, table. No, that, look at this with the dancing on the table motif today. Uh. <laughs> it's better than dancing on the ceiling. Um, wait, look, if I could dance on the ceiling, I would. It's not a bad, you know, it'd be great if we could. Hey, let's dance on the ceiling quickly of categories, shall we? Oh, before that, wait, who... Who, uh, uh, current Tony nominees, was in the original cast of Rent? Oh, gosh. Norbert. Norbert Leo Bucks. Very good. Thank you. Th that was off the top of my head. Thank you very much. Oh, gosh. Well, I didn't even get to the Tony quiz. Me, hope we'll have time for a few of them, but let's get back to the categories. Uh, performance by featured actress in a musical. Joanna Gleason, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Celia Keenan-Bolger for Putnam County Spelling Bee. Jan Maxwell... Chicky Chicky Bang Bang, Kelly O'Hara for Light in the Piazza, Sarah Ramirez for Spamalot. I'm going to let you guys go at it because I'm going to find the disc here, so go for it. Okay, well, you, all right, you go. All right, um, <laughs> no, I like that Kelly O'Hara in uh, Light in the Piazza. I'm surprised, actually, that she wasn't considered for Best Actress, and I think maybe in a less crowded season she would have been. Uh, Joanna Gleason was fabulous in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I don't know what she was doing in that show. Her plot, had, her, her, her. But her we her love her. Whatever yeah, she does, her. we love her. I mean, she so she'll be Tony nominated for the show, rest of her life. She was fabulous doing it. Um, Who was uh, Celia Keenan Bolger in this ensemble? Uh, We're still trying to figure out who <laughs> that was. No, no, I, I think she was uh, the girl in the overalls. 
Yes. Yes. Okay. She didn't have money for her entrance fee. No, no. Oh. Actually, that was, that was the nicest touch of of the musical. Oh, was, that, that got me a little bit. It was sappy. All right. Uh, Hold on. Jen, Let me see what my foot thinks about that. He <laughs> <laughs> oh, a magic. Yes, Je- Jeff does do his thing with his foot. <laughs> <laughs> which explains a lot. It's uh, better Jen than Maxwell, sitting on it. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Uh, wonderful performance. However, I think the Tony will go to Sarah Ramirez, Monty Python. She, it's for such an over-the-top uh, and wonderful performance. And, and it's a shame because, because really, um, I, I think I think that um, Latin the Piazza girl, Kelly O'Hara, should get it. I think that she's she's a fine actress. She does a great job with an unbelievably hard score. I mean, that show has probably. One of the hardest scores in English and Italian. <laughs> I mean, it, it's. I mean, the per- performances don't ma- match. I just think that Kelly O'Hara works so much harder than Sarah Ramirez. But I you're think right. Sarah Ramirez looked like she was working pretty hard, just having to come mm. up with all that Liza Minnelli-like power. Oh yeah. In her performance. Is that Liza with a Z? <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, let's. Um, uh, so, are we? Let's move on to yeah. uh, feature actor. Because mm. we don't really care about the feature. <laughs> well, we do, we do. Dan Fogler, spelling the Mark Kudish, Chicky Chicky Bang Bang, Michael McGrath, playing Patsy in Monty Python's Spamalot, Matthew Morrison as the male young lead in Light in the Piazza, Christopher Sieber as the male semi-young lead in Monty Python's Spamalot. Charlie? I think Spamalot, uh, the Spamalot nominees may just knock each other off. This is, uh-uh. I think, a weak ca- category. Uh, Mark... Uh, Kurdish Geek does give an excellent performance in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Would that be more Kurdish? Uh, Kurdish, excuse me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Caractacus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Meanwhile, I, I you just said it five seconds ago. To go to uh, Dan uh, Fogler in uh, Spelling Bee. He may... Oh, but it's such a one-dimensional character. But he's got the magic uh, foot. I know. I, I think it's one-dimensional. Under, never underestimate fun. the foot. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to go, I think Morrison will get it because Beyonce has this groundswell now. And he's wow, so I hope so. And he'll yeah. also get it because there are a lot of hairspray people out there who really <laughs> like, who, who love oh, Larson. Okay. Um, he would think Larson. Let's go with the featured people in uh, Okay, but don't play. ask me. But I think my, Michael McGrath. Oh, sorry. You think he'll get it? Yeah. Because Spamalot will carry a lot I, of... I, I just think he gave a great performance there, too. Remember, he played more than one... The, each of them, them played... He played about yeah. five characters That's true. in this. And, and he does Patsy very well. Yeah, he does. And because I Patsy, love Michael McGrath. Patsy's yeah. whole part is reacting. Yeah, and I love... And, and I like Michael McGrath, too. Yeah. I mean, I, I love... Ever since, like... Um, Game show. Game show? Oh, before that. He was on a broad, Broadway Grand, I think that was yes, the first time he came. Yes, through. yes, yes. Very funny. He's though. always been good. And a real talent. Featured actor in a play. Alan Alda, Glenn Gary, Gordon Clapp, Glenn Gary, David Harbour, Virginia Woolf, Neve Schreiber, Glenn Gary, and Michael Stuhlbarg, Pillow Man. Will the Glenn Garys cancel themselves? Wake me when this, no. when this category is over, please. Neve uh, uh, Schreiber, Glenn Gary, yeah. Alan Alda, is a wonderful actor, but he does not give a wonderful performance. No, yeah, absolutely. He is. It's. It's not a. It's, he's miscast, and he's not. He's, he's not, not miscast. He, well, he's not pathetic enough. He's not comfortable in the role. Look at him hmm. trying to. Use, look at him every yeah, he time really he has is to not use the profanity. With all that. Oh, okay. he, he, he didn't want to. He didn't. He looked like he didn't want to do it. You'd be kicked off the air because I could. Use oh, no, don't, don't. My little Glenn Gary jokes. Yeah. I mean, I think also Lee Schreiber gives a very strong performance, very but, very dominating performance. But but he's yeah. no Joe Montana. 
Doesn't matter. Oh, I th- no, I think he's as good or not he's better. Still no. Better. I remember yeah. him. I saw the original. Paul Montaigne was unbelievable. Well, so really? is he, though. He still gives a powerful domination. That's why I don't really care about this category. Okay. I just don't, you know... I mean, and the other people who aren't in Glengarry, well, who cares? Featured actress in a play... From Virginia Woolf. Now, this woman I can't pronounce. Muriel Amos? Is that right? I'll let Charlie mispronounce it for you. Muriel, perhaps? No, it's not Muriel. It's Muriel. I don't know. Heather Goldenhirsch from Doubt. Speaking of uh, bad accents. Dana Ivey in The Rivals. And Adrienne Lennox, also in Doubt. And Amy Ryan, uh, with probably the biggest role there, Streetcar Named Desire. It's almost a lead role. I think um, Heather Goldenhirsch, she was the nun. In, uh, doubt, wasn't the it? young one, the, the young yeah, one, the one Because doubt is going to have a very powerful presence at the Tonys, and I think she did give a good performance. And I just think doubt is a very dominant play in the Tonys. And also, Tonys for some year. reason, Adrian Lennox wins the awards, and and, and leaves Heather Goldenhurst behind. Do you think her? I I didn't think. Yeah, her accent's not the best. Yeah, but well, it wasn't. That it stood in the way of my. I, I thought, oh my God, why didn't they make her do this accent? She's not pulling it off. Uh, who else? Ryan's going to get it for Streetcar, I think. You, you agree? It's the biggest role. She's very good. And that, tag, that show can get stiffed in a lot of other ways in this particular... Mm-hmm. Uh, I know. I, I, I think Adrian Lennox will win, but I, I kind of think... I think Heather Goldenhurst gave a great... I, I loved her poem. Oh, okay. And how about... Uh, <laughs> here, here's a four-letter word I can use because it's her name, Anos. Um... Mm. The, he knows. Yeah, maybe? it was an interesting performance in Wolf. It's very. You want to talk about one-dimensional? It yeah. is, but it's it's fascinating in a weird way. Didn't she pull it off? Oh, oh, I think so. But I, I don't think I don't think. Oh no, the Tony voters are pretty smart people. Yeah. you know what I mean. And I don't know if people. And why did they give it to the goat a few years ago? Well, that's true. That's true. Because. They had to give something to Albie before he died. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's got a few years. Well, he's getting a special Tony this year anyway. I know. He deserves for a career. Um, he certainly didn't deserve for, for his last couple of plays, that's for sure. No. no. And but Three Tall Women had it been on Broadway, but definitely maybe, not the good. Maybe. And I'll say this. Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf reminds you that he was at one point a great, a mm-hmm. possibly great, important playwright. Whatever happened, I don't know, but... At least it's up there to show people, oh, yeah, no, Albie was good at one point. He really was. He had a spark of genius. Speaking of sparks of genius. Oh, this is a great segue. We have the most amazing guest of all, not to denigrate the other guests who have appeared on this WGBD Tony show. He doesn't like us. Yours, but this, this is special. This is a sacred, a holy man. This is a very wonderful person. He's been on my program. Dave's gone by a few times. Always pl- proud to have him, even though he's slightly controversial, but if you actually listen to what he says... And avoid the anger. <laughs> you might get a kick out of him. He has things to say about the Tonys, things to say about my show, things to say about the categories. The one, the only, and Charlie, you'll especially appreciate this, I think, Rabbi Saul Solomon. Shalom, shalom, goddammit. What a most exciting and educational night it has been about theater, about the Tonys, about Jews. I'm something of an expert on the latter, as I am, of course, Rabbi Saul Solomon, spiritual leader of Congregation Sons of Bitches in Great Neck, New York. And I'm very honored that Dave has asked me here tonight to make my own contribution to the WGBB Tony Awards special show that this is. Dave is a wonderful person. I've appeared on his program, Dave's Gone By, a dozen times. He's a mensch, a good friend. Of course, he doesn't have me on every week. Would be nice. Just two or three minutes. 
He has the whole hour. What would be the big whoop-de-doo to give the rabbi a couple of minutes to talk about life and belief and religious issues? But no, once a month, once every six weeks, that seems to be enough for him. I'm certainly not going to beg for more airtime. I'm not greedy. I'm not a microphone chazer. I don't have to be dragged on at the end of every show like Andy Rooney just to prove I can still chew my oatmeal. No, I'm abundantly grateful for the time Dave gives me now and then, occasionally, when he sees fit on his program. And although this toying with my emotions and my valuable time would appear to make him a miserably stingy, controlling son of a bitch, the truth is that Dave has lots of different things to balance on his show. And I'm just one of those things. Just one of many arbitrary, here-today-forgotten-tomorrow, useless, trivial elements of his vastly overrated radio program. But who am I to talk? Who am I to judge another person? No matter how heartless and unfair that son of a bitch bested me be. I take the high road. I rise above it like sour cream on a bowl of stale borscht. And I thank Dave for letting me be a part of his special Tony Awards show. Now, what the hell did he want me to... Ah, oh, yes, I'm here to discuss the category of Best Special Theatrical Event. Best Special Theatrical Event. Well, that is easy. The best special theatrical event this year was the birth of my daughter, Beryl. She was born to myself and my dear wife, Miriam Libby, eight months premature. The doctors induced labor and took her out with an eyedropper. But she's fine. Blessings to Hashem. She's now six months old, still in an incubator, but physically normal. Ten little fingers, ten little toes, and one little intact hymen. And she is already reading Hebrew. Plus, I'm happy to announce that Miriam Libby is pregnant again with our 20th child in Yitzhah Hashem. The due date is in February, but we're hoping certain hormonal drugs will push that forward to late September so we can bring her to Florida before the frost. But, uh, what, what? Oh, I'm being told that Dave really wants me to stick more literally to the theater and that the birth of my daughter, my bouncing baby Beryl, doesn't count as a special event? Well, excuse me, Mr. Big Shot Radio Person. I didn't realize a bunch of stupid awards took precedence over the miracle of life. Forgive me for not understanding that a bunch of actors reciting words they memorized is more astonishing than a drop of my fish turning into a person. But all right, I realize your own kids are always more interesting to you than they are to another person, especially if that person is a cold-hearted, self-centered lump of crap. But okay. Let's get to the category, shall we? Best Special Theatrical Event. And the Tony nominees are... Can I get a scroll roll, please? Billy Crystal, 700 Sundays. Dame Edna, Back with a Vengeance. Laugh Whore. And Whoopi, the 20th Anniversary Show. First of all, I'd give it to Laugh Whore just because it's the only one that doesn't have a goddamn subtitle. What is that? What the hell is the matter with one title? Why can't it just be Dame Edna? No, it has to be Dame Edna back with a vengeance. Did anybody buying tickets walk up to the booth and say, Hey, let me have two orchestra for back with a vengeance? No, they say, Dame Edna, let me have two for Dame Edna. Whoopi, the 20th anniversary show. As opposed to, what, Whoopi the floor wax? It's Whoopi, goddammit! You think people would confuse it with her other show, the original from 20 years ago? That would be a valid worry if it hadn't closed two decades back. 
He's saying, people ordering from Telecharge got on the phone and said, yes, yes, I want tickets for Whoopi Goldberg. What? Oh, wait, do I want the new one or do I want the first one? Well, the first one, that was better. Let me just construct a time machine so I can go back two decades and see that one. Especially since it's only 25 bucks for orchestra seats back then. I don't have to rob a bank to see a goddamn Broadway show. That's why they put two titles on the thing. They gotta give you something for $80, $90 a ticket. The shows aren't any better, but the titles, oh, so much longer. $50 pays for light bulbs on the marquee. But let's get back to the category. Penny Crystal, Dame Edna, Mario Cantone for Laugh Horror, and Whoopi. Three Jews and an eye tie. Well, that rules Cantone out. He was very funny. He did the Hitchcock thing with the nibbly nobbly now, 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 and the gay subtext of Steampipe Alley, as if that were obscure, and a really good Jim Morrison impersonation. But Mario Cantone overstayed his welcome, and he's a shagitz, or a gay, gaygitz, actually, so no. Whoopi Goldberg, love the name. It's Jewish and happy, two words that never go together in real life. And you know... A lot of people dumped on Whoopi because they said she was just bringing back her original show. It was more of a revival than a new thing. But I will defend her. More than half of her show was new material. It wasn't good new material, but it was... No, no, it was fine. But it was all about gynecology, for Christ's sakes. Everything was my period this and my vagina that and menses and bleeding. Half the show was about maxipads and meat curtains, Nishtugadach. I heard so many eggs dropping in that matinee, they should have called a Chinese restaurant to make soup. And the women were eating it up. The show, not the soup. And the men were like, eh, I wonder how the Jets are doing today. And Whoopi did the Fontaine thing, a lot of new lines there, and she did a crippled girl, but it just wasn't the same. For my money, Eve Ensler, who should be talking about vaginas, that's her specialty. I think she may even have one. And her show was better. A good body. That should have been on the list instead of Whoopi. But then there's Dame Edna. Back with a vengeance. Nice Jewish boy. Barry Humphreys. Dressing up in women's clothes. Well, I have a cousin who... Let's just say he uses his backside with a vengeance, if you know what I'm saying. No, but this was funny, funny stuff. Even better the first time. Better than the first time. And she... He... It really knows how to work a crowd. But was it really different from Dame Edna's first trip over here a few years ago? Since half the show is improvisation anyway, it could just as well have been a continuation of the original show. He took a break of a few years, came back and picked up where he left off. Whereas, Billy Crystal had never been on Broadway before. 700 Sundays was a new thing. Granted, he's been doing some of this material in comedy clubs for ages, but he weaved it all together here into a look at childhood and his father and growing up Jewish on Long Island. It was hilarious. It was touching. It was too long. But where would you cut? It was all so good. And audiences loved it. It sold out 15 years ago. It was so popular. People bought tickets before they were even born. Before their parents were born, people were buying tickets. So, if any categories are locked this year at the Tony's, its best special theatrical event for 700 Sundays. It was so good, I wouldn't even trade it for 700 Saturdays. So, I want to thank Dave for giving me these precious moments on this Thursday to share with you. He told me five minutes. Uh, I've gone a bissel over time. 
What the hell? He owes me. But I do urge everybody to go to the theater. There is spiritual joy when people create something to entertain and enlighten their fellow men and women. And for the same reason, we all go to shul instead of praying at home by ourselves. It's a communal endeavor, a way we connect with each other. The sharing of experience, the commingling of our laughter and tears, the standing half an hour and praying the garage attendant hasn't taken your car on a joyride through Koreatown. These are the things that make us human, that ennoble us as creatures of taste, empathy, and dignity. God damn it, this is Rabbi Saul Solomon, on behalf of my dear wife Miriam Libby, and our 19 children, Nehemiah, Josiah, Shloimi, Chana, Rivki, Yehuda, Moish, Yechenskil, Boruch, Avigda, Yisroel, Hepzibah, Shaul, Aliza, Shimon, Gedalia, Naphtuli, and Fred, by my first marriage, and baby Beryl whose head, God willing, will eventually become round, I leave you on this exciting night with a Broadway-related poem. Ocean, pillow man, democracy, doubt, who will win big and who will be left out? Spelling be scoundrel, spam a lot, piazza, I wouldn't trade the Tonys for a solid gold matcha. Um, funny song from a, from a pretty funny show, and that's what we've been doing all, all very funny show. That's what we've been doing all <laughs> evening long on this WGBB Tony Award special. We've been on since 7 p.m. We have another half hour to go on AM 1240. Only a half hour? Will that be enough time? Well, we're going to zoom through a couple of categories. If you'll let me get my intro done, guys. Um, AM 1240 WGBB in Freeport, New York, and live streaming on the web at AM 1240 WGBB.com. And the guys I just referred to are my wonderful friends and fellow critics. Charlie Gross and Jeff Goodman, who are both from a show called Two on the Isle on Manhattan Neighborhood Network Television. We'll, we'll do one more pr- plug for it towards the end of the show so people get to watch it tomorrow so night. So get your pens out, because you're going to want to write down the time. Oh, and please, please get your pen, um, not only your pens out, but get your dining fingers ready, because we have another ticket giveaway. Another one? You. Yes, we had one earlier. It's for the same show, a very cool uh, evening of upscale cabaret at Town Hall that's in New York 123 West 43rd Street yes it is it's on Broadway a really great venue um well, it's uh, just off 6th Avenue. It's in the Theater District. It is. And I it's a great that place that. to see a concert. With K.T. Sullivan, Mark Nadler, Craig Rubano, and Heather McRae. These wow. are all pretty good names. Well, and Heather's father was in both the movie versions of Oklahoma and Carousel. That's right. And do you know why that's relevant? It why, isn't. Dave? Because the name <laughs> is Something Wonderful, a Richard Rogers celebration. So they're going to be doing the songs of... Richard Rogers, the songs he wrote with uh, with Lauren's Heart, like My Funny Valentine and Isn't It Romantic, and s- so many wonderful songs that Rogers and Hammond. Oh, he'd be doing sh- the songs from uh, I Remember Mama. Maybe was that? Hmm? I'm asking Jeff to hand me the phone. I want to call him for this. <laughs> well, if you wanted to, the, to buy tickets, uh, tickets are between thirty and thirty-five dollars. Charlie never wants to buy tickets. <laughs> well, call Ticketmaster at two one two three zero seven four one hundred, or you can save yourself the charge and just buy them at the. How much are the tickets at Town Hall? Thirty or thirty-five. What a deal! It's, it is a good deal. It really. I love is. you guys. Play. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a great evening. It's tomorrow night. Four good, really good performers doing great songs. Right. So if you guys want to see that. Listening at home, not only can you just call Ticketmaster, 307-4100, area code 212, or go to the box office and buy tickets, but then we have one free pair of tickets to give away. What's the, the first number, caller at 631 888 
8811. That is the number at the radio station, area code 631-888-8811. You might have to be on hold for a while before, until we can get to the phone, but stay on hold, and if you're the first caller that we pick up, you will get those tickets, but please be sure that you can go tomorrow, because we don't want to give tickets. And you can ask for Charlie to pronounce the name. Really? <laughs> Yeah, Jeff, put the tickets, put the phone down. You're not old. And it's really easy. You just have to go to the will call window or the box office, ask for the tickets. They'll be there in your name. No charge, free. You'll get to see this really cool show. Something it's wonderful. They can act like a theater critic. Yeah, right. A, a Richard Rogers you celebration. Tickets that have zero 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 on it. <laughs> What's that number again? Six three one eight 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 one one. Please call the operator. Standing by. That's right. Operator is standing by for these free. Tickets, all you got to do is call in to win. 631-888-8811. Call now. Do we have a theater quiz? Oh, we do. Um, I'm going to ask like one or two quick questions, and then we've really got to zip through the categories. Thank you. My goal is to make sure we don't finish. The interesting thing is, every year except this year, on Two on the Isle, we have our Tony Awards show. Yeah. And we have <laughs> Dave, and we have a half hour. And we just barely finish it, and sometimes we have to leave out a few categories. Here we have three hours, and we still <laughs> haven't finished finish it. All right, well, two, two quick questions, and then we go right to it, okay? In 1960, the, I mean, Grant, these are not heavy-duty theater because our audience, I figure, is a mix of people who really love the theater or may just be first finding out about it. So, in 1960, the Tonys had a rare tie for Best Musical, Fiorello and The Sound of Music. What made the tie extra surprising is that these two shows beat out another landmark musical, which had a book by Arthur Lorenz and music by Julie Stein. Name the musical. Away. Well, oh, we're not asking. I supposed to be a couple of seconds. Yeah. Leave a couple of seconds for the people oh. at home. But now, guys, what's the answer? West Side Story. Which was originally called? No. No? You're wrong. No. Arthur Lorenz, Julie Stein, the music. Oh, Gypsy. Oh, oh, Gypsy. Gypsy, that's right. Gypsy was Scored there. by Stephen Sondheim. Mm -hmm. And you know what? The Tony for Best Musical Actress was not won by Ethel Merman. She was beaten by Mar Mary Mar Martin for Sound of Music. Go figure. One, one more uh, trivia question. 1995 was a tough year for new musicals on Broadway, but one stood out. Not only did this show win Best Musical, beating out only one other nominee, it won Best Book for a Musical, and best score for a musical because it was the only nominee yeah. in the category. And what theater did it play in? I don't know. What theater? Well, name it the it, it played at the Anta Theater. The Anta? What was it? Didn't it? It was. Oh, I'm trying to. It, Were they I, calling I, it the Anta at that time? Yeah, I don't think so. I'm going to be the Virginia. That sounds more more like what? What's the musical, Jeff? It's. Um, I'm trying to remember the tap the, the the dancer who was about. It was Gregory Hines. No, 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 you're right. It's not Jelly's Last Jam. Jelly's Last Jam, no? No, 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 no. It was the only... Um, it had one other nominee for Best Musical, and there were no other people in the categories What's for uh, who, book who, or score. I'm trying to think of who... 1995. Hmm. Wow. That's Staircase. Two levels. Stair I'm going to give it that, to you. Uh, so, are we talking a Lloyd Webber musical? It sounds like... Yeah. No, but that wasn't at that theater. But Sunset Boulevard. That was it. Like that was at the. Um, was, uh, you mentioned the theater. I didn't say yeah. that. that was at the Gershwin. Right. Yeah. No, no. You threw us off with the theater, but it, it wasn't at the Gershwin. Boulevard. By the way, it was at the Minskoff. But you close. And actually, in, even in the, the I, yeah. I think it was at the Gershwin. 
even in no, the best... No, was it the Minskoff? Actress... Well, it certainly wasn't the Anto, was it? No, it wasn't. Okay. Um, no, one quick... Now that we've got <laughs> both those easy questions wrong, <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks like we're going to be learning with Dave. Well, I will qualify theater critics. By the way, even in the best actress in the musical category, Glenn Close beat out only one other nominee. I mean, it was that kind of year for musicals, and that was Rebecca Luker for Showboat. So, let's get back to the categories, though, because we don't have a lot of time, but... Ah, I should have left more time for the quiz. That was kind of cool. We're going to zip through these now because we need leading actors to get through. Um, leading actor in the musical. Hank Azaria, Spamalot, Gary Beach, Fa- uh, Lacage, Norbert for Dirty Rotten, C- Tim Curry for Spamalot, John Lithgow for Scoundrel. Now, forget about Gary Beach and Lacage. I want to know what happened to... I mean, I, he was probably... Maybe, Davis, Daniel maybe Davis. Daniel Davis was a horrible individual and got fired, but he gave a great performance. Yeah, I thought he was better than... Be- I, yeah, I was much better than Beach. Yeah. What do you think, uh, Charlie? Well, I think uh, Norbert and John are going to knock each other out. Really? Yep. Well, uh, John Lithgow didn't they just give gave it to a John Lithgow. Uh, in, he got uh, it for the one that closed. Sweet smell. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, Norman Leo Butts has done a lot of good work uh, on and off Broadway, but I just... Oh, no, this is going to be his year, I think. He's going to win. Oh, no, Hank Azaria. No! Hank Azaria is fantastic in Stamart. He's doing John Cleese voices. No. I mean, no. So, so is okay. John Cleese in that show, but... I'll bet your money on this one. It's going to be Norbert. Really? Ten, oh, ten million to Spamalot may win Best Musical, but no, what about Arbs? I want Arbs on this. No time. No time. Because of yeah. the you know the first five years, or was it the last? How much years? money is on this? Off Broadway, yeah. Well, well it, it was a small of, role. Yeah, but and he was out of it for for so long. Yeah, because he was he was injured or something. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I How much money is on this? I want to know. I actually concur with Jeff. On, uh, I, I, on okay, guys, we've got to move on. Okay. 20 bucks? 20 bucks? Do I hit 20 bucks? Christina Applegate, Sweet yeah. Charity, Victoria Clark, Light in the Piazza, Aaron Dilly, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. We really have to talk about this one. Sutton Foster will do it quickly. Sherry yeah. Renee Scott, Dirty Rotten Scoundrel. Victoria Clark. The no, only one who has any role. No, no, no. Sherry Renee Scott. I like Sherry Renee, but I think Clark will get it. Oh, although Applegate has an inside shot. Oh, she I don't really think so. does. She pulled it off. She wasn't incredibly great, well, she, but she, she carries has, it. She has all that uh, sympathy, for, all the sympathy votes. Even without, you know, I asked people about that, whether they would vote for it just because of the leg, and they said, no, she name, carries it. The, the interesting name. thing is, I am sitting across from Jeff, who earlier this season swore, as I watched this episode of Two on the Isle, swore that Sutton Foster had a lock on it. That was, of course, before I was, these other shows opened. I still vote for Sutton Foster. Did I? Yeah, she gave yeah, an incredibly good performance. She was great in Millie, and this proved that it wasn't a fluke. She was right. just as great. Okay, leading but actor in a play. Philip right. Bosco, 12 Angry Men, Billy Krugup, The Pillow Man, Bill Irwin, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, James Earl Jones on Golden Pond, and Brian F. Oburn for Doubt. Is it going to be Oburn again? It's Brian Oburn. Oh, I think so. He just, he, he comes on with this Bronx, a- Bronx accent, and we actually get, take him seriously. So, He's yeah, wonderful. just, just he, for he, that. Plus, Doubt is a fabulous play. But there won't be a sympathy thing for James Earl Jones? No. Uh, no, because then there would he be one for Bosco or Bill Irwin. <laughs> Who certainly well, deserves Irwin deserves I would give him Oh, Irwin is wonderful. He's marvelous. You know, it, it, and it's Jeff Goldblum. If, yeah. if it's for him, if, if it is for Bill Irwin, he's just done such incredible work over the last 20, 25 years on Broadway, in this show, and in pretty much everything he's done. I would love to see Irwin pull a surprise there. Leading actress, do we even have to, is, is, is it going to be Cherry Jones, Jones or anyone else? Please. Laura Linney Laura is Linney, wonderful. good. Mary Louise Parker. But they're all closed. You know, Kathleen Turner. Well, Stan. she's not closed. Good, not no. great. Well, maybe the legs, but you know. Oh, oh thank you. Thank you for a shot. But Kathleen Turner had a road on Broadway. Even last year. She's, she's not oh, Kathleen Turner. Uh, 
around for taking off the clothes. And Sherry Jones was better. Okay. Um, The rabbi covered special theatrical events, so let's just do the revivals, and then we'll save the two biggies for... um, Okay, the revivals. Okay. Uh, By the way, we all think Billy Crystal's going to win special theatrical. Yeah, La Caja Fall... But I would actually give it to Damon. Shut up. Okay. Pacific Overtures. Yeah, Craig's turn when we get tired. Uh, Pacific Overtures and Sweet Charity for Musical Revival. You know, it was a terrible year for a revival. Yeah. I thought Pacific Overtures was the best one there, but they're not, it's not going to win. Sweet Charity is going to come and take it by a foot. <laughs> and Charlie? I would have to go with Lacage. I think Sweet Charity is a better show, but I think that Lacage put on a fabulous production. It's more truck. enjoyable from the beginning for me. Yeah. Whatever that means. The sets, maybe. The rest of the show, no. Okay. Revival of a play. Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Glengarry Glen Ross. On Golden Pond and Twelve Angry Men. Oh, please. There's no, no choice there. It's, it's Virginia really? Woolf. Oh, I, I agree, although I, it might go to Twelve Angry Men, which was my favorite for the first half of the year. Yeah, if it did, but I agree that it will go to twelve. No. Virginia Woolf. Virginia Woolf was incredible. And, it, and it's, the problem is it's just not going to win anything else. <laughs> Maybe what we say, set of costumes? I mean, you know. Okay, you know what? We have time very quickly for score, and we'll say best playing music. Fine, play. fine. Score, Scoundrels, Piazza, Spamalot, Spelling Bee. How come they nominated Spamalot, but they decided to... Oh, we're on a shitty, shitty thing. Okay. Well... They they took sh- half of Spamalot is from other uh, is from movies whatever, but uh, I mean I, it, it's going to be Spamalot. We all know that. I think. I th- do you you don't agree? I, you know I don't really think one score is any but better I thought, than the. I would love to see Jody Rotten Scoundrel. Me too. Just because David Yazbek, it's kind of every time yeah. he has a show every couple of years, and every show, couple of years, just a little bit more popular one comes. He's like the bridesmaid every year. Well, it's only been to you, but this year. It's, I don't think it's quite the last good time as the he, Full Monty score, but it's very good. Yeah. You know, the last time he was in Full Monty and then came... Uh, Produ- producers. producers. Yeah. But, but is I, it... But the producers... But Samus, no producers either. Everybody seems to love the spelling bee. I didn't like the score. I thought no. the score was kind of annoying, actually. I, was very awful. Yeah. I don't think it was awful, but I was disappointed because I terribly I very high in. expectations. Yeah. Best book of a musical. Scou- uh, what's missing here for me, by the way, is All Shook Up. That is a hilarious, yeah. wonderful book. Why oh, isn't it here? Oh, come on. Oh, yeah. Um, it was however, great. you love the Chiggy Chiggy Bang Bang book. Um, I did. Which is not also nominated. You know, because and, it's based, and, and, it was and, and, and I will say all, all Shook Up. And why would, but then why would Durden run? All, all Shook Up was basically an Elvis Presley movie without Elvis Presley. No, but it was kind of had a lot of Shakespearean roots in it. Was, it was great. There were like six different plot lines intersecting yeah. very quickly and hilariously. But between the, the nominees, it's Scoundrels, Piazza, Spamalot, Spelling Bee for book. People are now saying Spelling Bee has a good shot because, oh, yeah. you know, it's really the most original, quote-unquote. Sort of yeah. Only original. To, well, yeah. yeah. Which, which it might, but again, originality is not something that is very but common. But the book of, first of all, Spamalot's about nothing. Jody Rat and Scoundrels is the same thing as the movie. And, and Lightning Piazza was also a movie. Yeah. So what? So what? And, so and, and, and My Fair Lady was a play. Fiddler on the Roof was a, was a book. You okay. know, come on. Okay, yeah, we have another interview. There's someone more important than us. Well, actually, this is, this is a continuation of an interview that we had in our first hour with a very esteemed and wonderful critic, Jay Novick, who writes for Backstage and The Village Voice. We talked to him about his, about his career uh, about two hours ago. We're going to come back now and hear some of his picks for well, these can categories. Can we just, can we just no. no, no, no. The best at, book? at the very end. At the, the very best end. Book we'll, we'll get back to it. In a bit. Spend a lot. Best play. Charlie. Nominees are Michael Frayn's Democracy, John Patrick Shanley's Doubt, August Wilson's Gem of the Ocean, and Martin McDonough's Pillow Man. 
Well, my vote there goes goes. I, I just saw the Pillow Man last night, mm-hmm. and uh, I admired its cleverness, but I don't think it's about very much. And wow, we totally agree. Okay, doubt is equally finely crafted, not quite as individual and original, but much, much more substantial. It's about something. It well, that was my it hope, opens yeah. the same kind of window onto something larger than itself that in a in a small way I think a review can do. When I first saw Doubt, I liked it. I mean, I don't think anybody doesn't like Doubt, but I found it a little bit small. I found the way, you know, theater, because budgets have shrunk as far as paying actors, it would have been nice to have been an eight or nine character show and have a larger scope to it. There was something a little bit chambery. took away just a bit, whereas with Pillow Man, while I was watching it, I was very captivated, very thrilled, and thought it was going to be, as you said, about something. I thought it would be a political, certainly personal, but also because it takes place in a totalitarian state, and these are corrupt and brutal policemen. I thought there would be something more there about that, and it turned out to be just Martin McDonough's people being nasty to each other, as they always are. And, and that's why, ultimately, I would give my, uh, my nod to doubt as well. Any, any thoughts on Jim of the Ocean or Democracy, though? I admire Democracy very much, but uh, it just didn't compel me as much as, yeah. uh, as, much as doubt did. Let's do the uh, four Best Musical nominations, which, moving up, so I won't, I'll do them reverse alphabetically, because why not? Uh, the 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, which is by uh, William Finn, Monty Python's Spamalot by Eric Idle and John Duprez, The Light in the Piazza, the Adam Gettle Show, and Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, with uh, the score by David Yazbek. Your thoughts? There's really no comparison. That uh, For me, the, uh, the Light in the Piazza oh, is the most no. significant thing that happened to the musical theater this year. Why? You're going to say it's about real people? That's usually the line that... that um, well, yeah, I'll go for that, among other things. And um, I hate to use terms like taste, but it's there was a high consistency in everything about that show. And it, it caught something that's very difficult to catch. It caught innocence without sentimentality without cliché. Not only emotional appeal, it, for me it had, uh, i got to say, erotic appeal as well. Oh. Okay. Without being in any way crass about it. There was an individuality to it, a faithfulness to its own vision, a refusal to compromise and just do showbiz that I admired tremendously. And did you like the score? Yeah. I don't think anybody went home whistling it, but uh, I would like to hear it again. It supported the emotions. It amplified the emotions. It brought you into the feelings of those characters. The Light in the Piazza is is one of the very few things I've seen this year for which the word beautiful comes to mind. Hmm. Okay. I I had a couple of other I hear the sounds of somebody not being convinced. Yeah, I was too... Busy yawning tonight. <laughs> I don't, no, I mean I wasn't I wasn't sleeping, but I wasn't particularly captivated, and I would have been had I liked the score. Had it had Lerner and Lowe doing the music, I think I would have dug it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, William Finn doing a better score than he did for 25th uh, Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, I probably would have done it. But Gettle just doesn't get me. He, he writes stuff that seems to sound like a song that's attractive and just doesn't happen somewhere. And it's aria-like, but I'm not into that. I, mean, I think, um, speaking of John Simon before, he said it has elements of Schoenberg in it, in which, you know, that's one of his favorite composers. And I'm like, okay, you know, great for you. It's not necessarily what I want to hear when I go to a Broadway, even a serious, quote-unquote, Broadway show. What matters with a work of art is the, trans- is the transaction, particularly in the theater, between the work of art and each individual viewer, spectator, audience member, Everybody comes to the theater with an at least slightly different set of receptors, mm-hmm. preferences, abilities to comprehend, experiences that dovetail or connect in various ways, conscious and unconscious, with what's going on on stage, mm-hmm. um, even um, erotic susceptibilities. Uh, because um, there's a lot of sex in the theater, and they're... Um, and thank God for that. Yeah, here, here. <laughs> um, opposite views can be equally legitimate, even when one, one of the views in question is opposite to mine. Well, well, yes, and that is what it's all about. Something right? that I sometimes have great difficulty conceding, but I well, do believe. You've defined what good criticism or what critics should try to do, but... How do you? How should a person pick or, or know which critic to trust? Uh, it's the friend whose tastes are similar to yours, uh, whom you are going to listen to next time out. So, who were the um, critics that, that most influenced you in your beginnings, and, and even over the more recent years? Come to think of it, during the more recent years, I haven't been um, a whole lot influenced by uh, by anybody. When I was starting out. Well, my ultimate hero, as as you probably know, is George Bernard Shaw, mm. who made connections between the theater and life outside the theater with a depth and a and a brilliance that nobody has since matched. My more immediate heroes, Eric Bentley, who was uh, essentially leading a campaign against Broadway. And Walter Kerr, who was leading a campaign on behalf of Broadway. Well, it, no, in Kerr's case, it wasn't a campaign because he didn't have a sense of it being uh, attacked. Broadway was the center of the theater universe, whereas for Bentley, Broadway was more like the Dark Tower of Mordor. <laughs> uh, and what's it for you, by the way? Pardon me? And what is it for you? Is it somewhere um, halfway between Mordor or Murder? Um, and then the, the I Golden think Tower? at this point, closer to uh, to Walter Kerr's willingness to accept Broadway. Um, oh, that's interesting. So as you've gotten further, you know, along, you you've become more um, what's the uh, well accepting. I thought uh, it might be the other way yeah. around. Uh, what can I tell you? I've become a mellow old fart. And, uh, uh... Can I quote you on that? Yeah. Um... <laughs> um no, but... But, but I'm, a, I'm yeah. a, lo- a lot less immediately rebellious Broadway is, on the whole, not young people's territory. 
except except as candy. far as the provision of eye candy is concerned. Right. Well, no, and also stuff like Brooklyn and uh, and Rent, which which have tried to make little chinks in the armor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but then, and, but then you Broadway, see them in Broadway the... was able to accommodate Brooklyn. I have no um, <laughs> I have no wish to defend. Oh, uh, I, you know, but, I, uh, Rent I admire a great deal, and uh, the fact that Broadway was open to that. Uh, is significant. Over the 40-odd years that you've been doing what you've been doing, any priceless memories? Andre Sherban and uh, Elizabeth Suedo's um, fragments of a trilogy, three productions of Greek tragedy that... Uh, it was at La Mama, right? Or that was at La Mama, mm-hmm. yeah, and in the 70s, early 70s, and that fulfilled an ideal of mine by combining avant-garde techniques with ancient material, embracing tradition and renewing it rather than rejecting it. Um, Another memory that floats to the top immediately was uh, a production of the National Theatre of Great Britain of medieval mystery plays. Come to think of it somewhat like uh, at least parts of... uh, the Sherban Suedos trilogy in an environmental staging where the actors and the audience shared the same space. And I will never forget walking, mm-hmm. following Jesus as he was carrying the cross. And I was weeping. And I'm not even a Christian! <laughs> Yeah, we established that early on. Yeah, yeah oh, we did, oh, okay, yeah, right, yeah, so we did, so we did. Uh, oh, okay, so interesting. And finding the intense human drama in that story, and then revival after revival of, I, I never saw Lee J. Cobb in Death of the Salesman, but I did see Dustin Hoffman and George C. Scott and Brian Dennehy each time. I was devastated. You came out feeling differently from the way you, the yeah. way you came out. Well, I stopped crying, yeah, exactly. Um, well, I'm certainly not crying over having Jay Novick as my guest in the neighborhood. God, what a terrible segue that was. But, you know... <laughs> it, it was so bad. Uh, I was genius. I have such... Oh, thank you. All right. I take it back. It was a wonderful segue. Yeah, a great uh, conversation. Well, maybe I just don't listen to enough radio. No, you don't. You show <laughs> Mr. J. Novick. I want to thank him so much for talking theater. The pleasure was mine. And the pleasure is all mine and, and just doing this wonderful theater show. I can't believe it's over in just about two more minutes. The WGBB theater special. Hopefully we'll get to do it again next year. Before we get to a couple more categories, I want to thank a bunch of people. Uh, i got to thank... Program Director Tom Ross, uh, Engineer Dennis, Engineer Joe for all their, their help and their support in this. Station Manager Jeff Lowe. I want to thank my wonderful wife Joyce for all her love and support and the great guests we've had today. Jay Novick, Iris Dorbian, Jeannie Lieberman, Rosalind Friedman, of course Rabbi Sal Solomon. And where would I have been without my special co-hosts Charlie Gross, Jeff Goodman, Jeff Goodman, Charlie Gross, who appear on their own show, Two on the Isle. Yes, uh, tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, WWW. M-N-N 
org and then click on channel 57 for our Tony Awards show. If you're in Manhattan, just flip on the TV to channel 57. And also flip on the Tony Awards this Sunday on channel 2. And don't forget to see their special at 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock news. We're not going to be able to do the two most important Okay, okay. Best musical, Scoundrels, Piazza, Spamalot, B. Spamalot. Uh, Jeff? Spam a lot, but I wish it would be... Um, Scoundrels. Scoundrels. I wish it would be Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Ah, uh, uh, we knew that was coming. Best play, Democracy, Doubt, Gem of the Ocean, or Pillow Man? Doubt I wish it could be Gem of the Ocean, but it's going to be... I, really, Gem? Yeah, I like Gem of the Ocean a lot, but I'm, I'm not unhappy that it's going to be Doubt. I wish it could be Doubt, and I think my wish will come true. I think so, too. I mean, I liked Pillow Man a whole lot, but I think there's something special. And by the way, I'd like to thank there. everyone I've ever met, and thank <laughs> all the people who give me all those free tickets to da, theater, da, all, da, those, da, all those da, wonderful da, da, Thank you, Bono Brown. Thank you, Bono Hartman. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let me bring up some real music, some some theater music you might actually recognize as we close the first annual WGBB Tony Award special. Thank you, guys. Is this number one? This is number one. No, actually, no time to play number one. This is about not today, but but when? But when is that sun coming out? Long intro. Here we go. There she is. Good night, folks. We said Andrew would never come. Have a, have a, please watch the Tonys. Please go to the theater. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Have a wonderful evening.